It is Sunday evening here in the uh, beautiful British Isles, including the Republic of Ireland. I'm one of your hosts here, Barry, as always, bringing you the 531st edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. Joined, as always, by my ever-dependable co-host, first of all, with Paul Griffin. Hello, Barry. And I'm here with Mr. Joe Towner. I'm trying the thing from last week. Ah, yes, I forgot about that. Uh, hello, Paul, and I'm here with Barry. Hi, Barry. <laughs> oh, hello, Joe. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, all right, that, that, that works. That works. Ten years, and they say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. There you go, lads. <laughs> Keeping it fresh. Um, yeah, so we're here. We're back with another uh, edition of the show. Um, I'm it's a little, little bit seedy today, um, a little bit delicate. That's why I might be uh, a bit quiet. A um, little bit of a hungover belly. Um, oh, I, I I mended the issue by getting a nice cheesy pizza and going to CEX and buying Heat on Blu-ray. So that's <laughs> that's all the cure a man needs. That um, is what Hair of the Dog is, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's just get a Michael Mann movie, you know. Um, haven't haven't watched it yet, but I will. Uh, yeah, I was at. Would you believe I was at a a poker game last night? Oh, I hope you did better than I did last week. I can assure you, I was horrific. Um, <laughs> I wasn't. If nothing else, I wasn't the first person out, which I'm at least a little bit proud of. Okay. But the, the guy who was first out, he just he 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 knew he was licked and said it. I bought my way back in, baby, and then I lost that money too. So you know, we uh, it was like well, a fiver, a fiver entry. It wasn't. It was not. It was not the high table at Vegas. Do you know what I mean? It was. Uh, I'm telling you, I was like, yeah, I got no, I got nowhere to live now. I don't, I, 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 I now no longer have all those fancy consoles I wasted my money on. Um, <laughs> Just throws his Xbox in the middle. Because the funny I'm thing is, <laughs> it's small enough that I can bring it with me. That's the joy. Um, yeah. yeah, the funny thing is, like I, because I play it every now and then, very sporadically, so I like know the rules and I hypothetically know the meta game of when, of when to bluff and when not to bluff but I think that's the part where I'm I'm really bad because I'll just sort of decide at the beginning of a hand regardless of what cards I get this will be the one where I bluff and I'll, I'll just bet, <laughs> I'll just I'll just gut it out and that's the real game the real game if I just convey it convincingly enough uh, they'll know and I put loads of money and they'll get scared and they'll run off it doesn't work like that no. Because because they're because they're actually paying attention to the cards. Like okay, well it's like a king, a two, a seven, and what's this card? The rules of Joker's Stone Poker. Um, uh, and I'm just and, and I'm just like yeah, all in. I've got these two here. Ho ho ho! They're making. I've got a special card here. Um, yeah, you're so. doing the Austin Powers. I too like to live dangerously. <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. on uh, the shittest hand in the world. Twenty one, twenty two, twenty seven. Ah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so so uh, I was gonna say I got cleaned out, but I only lost the tenner. Um, yeah, part of poker as well is is paying attention to the patterns and the tells of the people you're playing with, and they all and these are all like my friends yeah. for over over a decade, so I I know them well, but not on the poker table. I don't know because uh, they were all kind of like, oh, I knew on that hand, I knew when he did this that there was no way he hadn't, and I was yeah. like, what? I know. I, 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 what are y'all psychologists all of a sudden? Uh, but no, it was the good fact fun. that you you kept going. Ooh, every time you got a double, probably gave it away as well. I thought I was being really coy. <laughs> I thought I, it was like it was like an anti-stream mode. I was like, I'm going to be as restrained as humanly right. possible. 
Because you ever watch like <laughs> if you ever watch like the pros, which I which yeah, I'm sure we've yeah. all been flicking through the channels at one a.m. and somehow just been like, I I guess I'm watching poker now. And it is literally like they're there. They might as well have a balaclava over their face. They've got a cowboy hat, sunglasses. <laughs> they don't. Sometimes make... they do though. Sometimes they have the hood up. Yeah, huge sunglasses. Like you can barely see their face. That's surely like a PED, no? Well, yeah, but I suppose in 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 the eyes of the sporting gods, it's probably not actually about bluffing. They probably actually would like uh, uh, the least amount of. Um, uh, physical body analysis possible in their sports, I would guess. Right. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, that was really good fun. Um, uh, uh, last night. Um, yeah, that that was. I think that was the highlight of of the week. Uh, I did. I did also. Yesterday was very busy. Yesterday, I also did the the cooking stream on the old Twitch. Um, yeah. Which was um, incredibly exhausting. Um, the thing, the thing about twitching is, and Paul can probably attest to this, is that it's not, it's not just a case of you press a button and then it's a case of you're broadcasting yourself doing the thing. There's also a degree of production while you're doing the thing to make it work. And it was actually significantly hard. I mean, a different kind of hard when you're, when you're capturing off a console or whatever, it's like, okay, I got to make sure this is working. Oh, this, this, uh, you know, I set this video thingy wrong. Oh, this capture card isn't working, blah, blah, blah. Right. But at the very end, ultimately when you get it working, it more or less just works. But what I was trying, what I was having to do with the, with the cooking thing was that I did have different cameras. And so I was doing a little bit more flicking back more than I realized. I had a couple of test runs in my head, but I was flicking back and forth and I was trying not to drench my fucking laptop in fat and salt and chocolate brownie mix. And just, um, it was a lot of fun, but I was like, I was glad I said I would do it as a one-off little thingy and not a regular thing. Because I was like, the mess was terrible. And also I uh, basically ate no dinner yesterday. I took like two bites of everything I made and between, between trying to keep the stream moving and also being like too tired to actually want to eat this fucking gigantic burger I made that was the size of my head, um, it was uh, it was tough going. But it was a lot of fun. I, I, I had a lot of fun with that. It went very well, I thought. Um, there were only a couple of occasions where you kind of just abandoned the phone onto the counter, and just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. like filming a, a you know a close up a knife or something. But most of it, it was pretty yeah pretty good. The production sort of flowed and uh, yeah it worked pretty well. Yeah, there there was a couple of instances where I was, uh, try, uh, you know, I was I ha- I was broadcasting from my phone at certain points so that I could get a close up of whatever I was doing, and yeah, people just had to kind of look at the countertop for a minute because I was like, you know what, I need both my hands to open this shitty cheese. <laughs> I can't do it without with one. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that was uh, that was quite the thing, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, and I think that was my week, really. I don't think I I don't think there was too much else of. Uh, uh, of note that off the top of my head, obviously watched all the wrestling this week. Um, yeah, uh, what about yourselves? What was life golf like for you guys this week? Uh, not too busy this week for me. We um, quite busy. Well, quite busy yesterday. We did a lot around the house and then the garden, which we haven't we haven't mowed the lawn in about um, five or six weeks. So we've literally it's covered in wildflowers. It looks like a wild meadow. <laughs> If you went out to the middle of Scotland and just found a meadow, this is what our, our back garden looked like, just dandelions everywhere. Um, so we, we did all that. That was a lot of hard work. And then we just sort of collapsed on the sofa. But then today we did go out. We went to East London, um, had a nice walk along the canals out there. 
um, and ended up going to a little pub that was by the, say pub, more of a bar, kind of modern, not an old, old school pub, more of a modern kind of bar. Nice big terrace out the front that was right by the uh, river. So we sat there and um, had a little had a little shandy. Uh, Michelle had a water, watermelon margarita, which was very nice. <clears throat> and um, they also did had a pizza oven as well. So a lovely, oh, lovely. marinara marinara pizza, um, which was very tasty for six pounds twenty five. Can't go wrong for that, those prices. Uh, so yeah, that was very nice. And then we um, so that was all very nice. And then we decided to walk to um, the Westfield Shopping Centre, which is in uh, Stratford in East London, near where the Olympic uh, Park uh, is. Uh, and it was fucking packed on a five o'clock on a Sunday. I couldn't believe how busy it was. It was absolutely rammed. So we went in there thinking we'd just get some dessert. But after about 20 minutes, we were just incredibly stressed walking around the shopping centre full of people. No one wearing a mask anymore. I've given up on that. <laughs> yeah, Quite yeah. It's all, all the over. Um, so we managed to get the last couple of cupcakes from Lola's Cupcakes, which we brought home and then ate. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a very fun day, but a bit bit tiring by the end of it. But, uh, yeah, all, all good fun. And uh, that was about it this week. Um, Sounds nice, though. Sounds pleasant. Yeah, pleasant. I've not had any lovely adventures like that. Oh, no. Um, no, not, not a bad week either. Just, you know. Relatively quiet. Um, we had a dog with us all week. He only went home today. And as I was saying last week, um, lovely dog. We love having him, but he needs to be kind of around people all the time. And so uh, we didn't do much this week as a result. Uh, I was also working the late shift at work. So not a lot to do. We obviously, we also, uh, obviously, Take a shot. <laughs> we obviously um, did the podcast on Monday last week, and then Friday night and the weekend was the footy was back, which we'll get to now in a oh, second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that meant there was really only like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights to do anything. And one of those nights, uh, I watched another episode of Succession. We... And then the other two nights, I basically did nothing. Played a bit of Xbox. That was pretty much it. There was no, no mad stuff happening. I did, though get a package in the post Ooh. Uh, which was um, related to a purchase I made in December of last year when I bought a virtual or a, yeah a virtual ticket to a virtual concert uh, by CKY one of the bands I oh. like a lot and I watched that concert last December I probably talked about it on the podcast that it was real good Production was really cool and uh, very different to the concert what you see in person. But as a nice little thing, it was really cool. Uh, but as part of buying the ticket for that, you get also a T-shirt, uh, a signed physical oh. ticket by the band, and a double LP vinyl record of the show. That's pretty cool. All for the price of the ticket? Yeah, all for 50 Europeans. So that's pretty good. You get the show, T-shirt, autograph, and vinyl for fifty euro. So yeah, it's a good deal. Fifty dollars, actually, I think it was not even euros. Um, however, <laughs> obviously, I, the last few months have been spent thinking, "Where's all my stuff that I bought in December?" Like I knew that it wasn't going to be sent out until like maybe March or April at the latest because 
having done the show, they then had to print up the vinyl records before they could send them out and the t-shirts, etc. Um, but yeah, just this week, it finally arrived. A package came. The doorbell rang. I jokingly went down, as I always do, because I have nothing coming. I didn't expect anything in the post, but I, I always go down and go, oh, is it for me? <laughs> this time, it was for me. And uh, yeah, I listened to that record a few times now, two times mm-hmm. through, because it is like an, over an hour long, because it's a double LP of the show. But uh, listen to it a few times through. The sound quality is really, really good. Obviously, being a a vinyl is better than if we were on a cassette tape, for example. Um, and it's great. I love it. Uh, one thing I try to do though is I have a, I have a nice pair of expensive headphones. I have them right here, right? Sony uh, XM one thousand threes. I think they are lovely. Okay, they're quite expensive. Up northwards of two hundred and fifty euro. Mm. Ooh, right. spicy! Now they're Bluetooth headphones, but they do come with the little um, three point five millimeter headphones. Jack to Jack, right? yeah. I love, right. I love I love a headset that comes with both. That's always a great, yeah, a, a lovely feature. Yeah, lovely feature because um, if you want to uh, not use the battery on them, uh, I think if even if they're turned off, if you connect directly by cable, it takes the power as well, which is even more handy. But the stereo that I'm listening to the music on doesn't have a 3.5 millimeter right. option. It's only got the bigger 6.5 millimeter one. So I went down to to local music shop here and uh, bought a couple of the adapters where you put you plug in the smaller 3.5 and it outputs it as a 6.5. But for whatever reason, with these headphones specifically, which are the ones I wanted to use, whether it's just one you know, adaptation too many for like the Bluetooth headphones via the cable, via an adapter into the stereo, via the turntable. Right. Um, it the sound wouldn't play properly. It, it would come through, but it would kind of flicker between ears, and it didn't sound very like a clean sound. Now, I used the headphones that I use for this podcast, which are also a three point five millimeter jack, uh, and they work fine. But I, I you know, when when you have a new shiny. Uh, vinyl record, you want to use the expensive headphones, the expensive noise cancelling headphones to listen. Didn't work, unfortunately. So I'll, I just listened to the music not quite turned all the way up just so I'm not bothering people. But um, yeah, that was that, great. Really happy to have it. Um, it's actually the only vinyl that I own now. Do I, have, I don't have any other vinyls, I don't think. Do you not have a Zelda vinyl of some description? No, I have multiple CDs though. Hmm. And I have um, the Skyrim soundtrack autographed by the composer as well, Jeremy Soul, who turned out, I think, turned out to be a diddler or something in the end. What? I think so. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. I don't don't want, allegedly, I don't want to claim that. Please please Google that in your own time, folks. That's not. (laughs) And I have an an autographed Chris Jericho book upstairs as well. I think he turned out to be a diddler or something in the end. <laughs> no, no, stop no, that no. now. No, he did not. That is, uh, I mean, I think he's all nice in, a joke and was not true. Yeah. yeah, and that's also not the views of myself, Joe Orberg. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, I listened to that a few times, and uh, as I said, kind of, I finally dipped my toe into playing the Xbox a little bit. Lovely. Give you my thoughts on that later. Lovely. Um, and that's been my week, but Joe, because I Barry. I'm going to guess you haven't watched any of the footy this weekend. No, I, I was busy prepping for my cooking and my poker, you know. 
that is how it do be sometimes. But uh, Joe, I assume you, like me, have watched some football this week, the first week of 38 in this, the new Premier League season. Football is life. Football is life, guys. Yes. Football is life. What a start. What a start. Give us your thoughts on the opening weekend. Well, started Friday evening, uh, Brentford versus Arsenal. Yeah, the, the game of the week for me. Game of the week. I think we could all sense something special could happen Yeah, uh, in that game. And in fact, it did with Brentford uh, muscling Arsenal off the park uh, 2-0. Um, also, you know, very smart in their, in their approach, uh, yeah. figuring out how to beat Arsenal. Uh, and the, the the atmosphere was was electric. I don't know, it's a bit of a cliche, but it was electric. It was, um, it kind of reminded me, you heard, you know, you could hear a lot of songs being sung and a lot of kind of chants to reminiscent of a more championship sort of crowd. So the championship being the, the, you know, the league below the Premier League. Right. Um, where I think sometimes the Premier League, you get, I don't want to say, you know, casual fans, but you know what I mean? They're not the sort of fans going out there and well, I, I, singing I, Rouge chants, you know. Now, to be fair, I, I've been to Old Trafford once, right? I would consider yeah. myself a very devoted, long-time Man United fan. Mm. At the same time, I don't know all the chants. I've only been to Old Trafford once. Yeah, yeah. So I, that kind of fan, maybe. Yeah, I think that, that once once you're a more established Premier League club and once you've got like 40,000, 50,000 people in there, obviously you're not going to have like the real hardcore local fans because you're right. drawing from a much bigger sort of audience. Um, but yeah, so I think the combination of a kind of championship-esque crowd combined with uh, their first game in the Premier League, combined with, you know, coming back after the Euros and also coming back after Corona and after defeating the Super League. I think all of those, <laughs> all of that just kind of played into this, this amazing atmosphere. And then they won and it, it was amazing. Yeah. They were singing Brentford along to the, the tune of Hey Jude. Uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher were jumping in the crowd with a microphone doing karaoke. <laughs> they lost the plot a little bit. <laughs> that was very funny. And uh, all the players, even the manager, they were celebrating like they just won the World Cup. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like huge for them. They were just so happy, so passionate. But it was great to see. It wasn't sort of uncalled for. So, yeah, absolutely special match. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to downplay you know, American sports. But this is the kind of thing that you get when you have like a relegation promotion system where you have this team, Brentford, mm -hmm. their first game in the top tier in 75 years mm -hmm. against, what, 13-time champions Arsenal? The third, yeah, third most successful team probably in English football. And they beat them and they win. It's like, it's the, it's the classic like great underdog, giant killing story, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah, like I love them. The manager running around it with the, like kids in the crowd. Yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah. It was it was wonderful, wonderful. Just the biggest smile on my face. Absolutely, kind of. I've Brentford are like everyone's second favorite team now. Sure, yeah, you know, yeah. In fact, the their, their stadium's called Brentford Community Stadium as well. It's not it's not Bet Three Six Five Stadium. No, <laughs> that cheers me up as well. So I like that. That was wonderful. Um, then on day two, we obviously had the, uh, as we're both Man United fans, we had the big Man United Leeds game, uh, preceded by, the finally, the unveiling of Varane, uh, which turned out to be not so much uh, a bumbling delay as a meticulously planned strategic unveiling. Yeah, all I know is what he's doing. That was, that was a brilliant, brilliant unveiling. Good little play, wasn't it? 
Yeah, and he goes over and shakes hands with Rio Ferdinand, and it's like <laughs> the passing of the torch. <laughs> it's the passing of the torch. Well, a bit, ten years delayed, but the passing of the torch. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a little bit too much of the little PR lad beside him telling him, "Oh, do do, oh, yeah. the, do the selfie now." Big no, it was, there was a little bit of it that kind of took away the organicness of it. Yeah. But it was still uh, great. And then, of course, United proceeded to absolutely annihilate. Oh, him. absolutely wallop him. Oh, my God. I was, no, when Leeds equalised, I was like... Mm, oh, here we, here, go. We go. here we go. Here we go again. And then boom, baby. Boom. Uh, yeah, quick fire goal. And all brilliant goals as well. I mean, I know Pogba got four assists, but yeah. without those, <laughs> he wouldn't be getting them without those amazing finishes from, from Bruno and from Greenwood. Like, Yeah, exactly. They I'm weren't afraid. put on a plate, exactly. They were, they were you know... Yeah. Good passes, but yeah, difficult goals to score. But yeah, four amazing goals. Really <laughs> four amazing goals, and then Fred with a scuffed shot that probably I would have hit better. What do <laughs> I say? Uh, you know, he was yeah, the right yeah, place okay. at the right time. Right place at the right time. <laughs> yeah, so fant- absolutely fantastic. I mean, beating Leeds is always fun. Yeah. Um, I also watched then the Chelsea game and the Liverpool game. Um, Chelsea game, obviously not aired in the UK, but over in Ireland, we do get the 3 p.m. kickoff on right, Premier yeah. Sports over here. Uh, fairly straightforward for Chelsea. I expected a bit more from Palace with Patrick Vieira as the manager. Mm. But it was a fairly straightforward uh, 3-0 win. And then the same for Liverpool. I thought Norwich Norwich were pretty much what I expected them to be. Um, even after seeing Brentford win and Watford win, although I didn't see Watford win. I, I watched the highlights of that. I still had no expectation that Norwich would do anything. Norwich are that team that win the championship and they'll finish 20th and then they'll win the championship again. They never come up in like, well, I'm sure they do, but this is obviously hyperbole, but it seems like they never come second or win the playoffs. They always win the championship and then always get relegated. (laughs) They're they're never a team that's actually good enough to survive in the Premier League. Yeah, they're a very, very good championship side. But can never make reason. that leap to quality Premier, like yeah. a Burnley or a Brighton, that kind of yeah. team. Yeah, and they've obviously lost uh, Buendia as well to Aston Villa, mm. um, and definitely it seemed like they kind of struggled creating anything going forward, which is kind of what he what he kind of provides. Um, but Liverpool were very good, although as I said, their their opponent didn't really put up much of a fight. Uh, Chelsea were very good, even. You know, Palace, I expected to be better than they were. Uh, I didn't watch, I only watched a bit of the West Ham Newcastle game today, although goals galore, uh, unfortunately, because yeah. I don't have Antonio in my fancy Premier League team. A lot of people do, and he was sticking away, although he did miss a penalty as well. I still got 13 right. points. Um, and then City Spurs, which was kind of the, maybe with the exception of the Brentford game, although not really, mm. maybe the most unexpected result of the weekend. Yeah, possibly, because I suppose, you know, in crisis, apparently, with Kane going, but not really. Yeah, I think no City, t- City have been weirdly, yeah, subdued from the end of last season into this season. Yeah, that's their Strange. third defeat in a row without scoring, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, they'll have to get their boots on. Grealish, I must say, I don't know if he was, like, overwhelmed by the situation or mm. what it was, but he seemed stifled. I think Spurs did a good job of kind of getting in on him and yeah, keeping him so. quiet. Um, I wonder if he'll have the freedom that he had at Villa as well. 
So that was the big thing that he basically just got the ball. He could he could dribble, do what he wanted. Exactly. Whereas Pep is like, no, he's, he's Pep's there shouting, no, kick it with no, kick it with that foot, kick it with the other foot. You know, do that. Like he's not going to have that freedom to just no. be like Gascoigne and just sort of dribble with his socks down and do whatever he wants. No, not, and like they they didn't start De Bruyne. It's it seemed like they kind of had moved the chess pieces a little bit to allow Grealish to have this kind of first game and get under his belt. And I wonder if that kind of came back to bite him a little bit. Um, yeah. They they ended up kind of throwing on your Gabriel Jesus, De Bruyne, Zinchenko towards the end, but by then it was mm-hmm. Spurs had kind of shut up shop already. Um, yeah, City just kind of they never kind of really looked like scoring, even though they had most of the possession, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a disappointment. But um, yeah, and I, I guess the last thing just to touch on is the uh, the Lionel Messi to Paris Saint Germain story. Oh, Messi. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought right. I thought it was interesting that you had Messi. They they put out the confirmation that he was gone. But then the next day they had like a press conference with him and he mm. was crying his his little crocodile tears. <laughs> and then two days later he's all smiles in Paris. Here we go. Can't wait to play for Paris. Da 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 da. Hogan-esque, Hogan-esque performance. A little bit Hogan-esque. I don't know what it was quite about it that... Like, I understand, look, Messi's been there since he was very young, um, etc., etc. But I don't know whether it was last year and him wanting to leave and then not leaving yeah. ultimately. Um, but when you look at the numbers, like he's he's pretty much sucked that club dry. Like, he suckled the teeth of Barcelona so long, it's now but a, a withered flap, you know? Um, and he's gone off all fat and happy to the next tit you know (laughs) he's he's spotted the bigger the bigger uh tit over to the side and he's waddled over all full and happy (laughs) it's basically what's happened financially speaking you know um and yeah i i I don't know like i don't even think it's necessary that it's it's paris saint-germain were it any other team I, i i guess i kind of feel the same way but the whole messy um wages contract situation etc just has such a stink mm-hmm. of like yeah he's this wonderful player of course but he's also kind of a mercenary who just is getting such an outrageous wage um yeah. that i can't help be kind of turned that turned off and repulsed by it even though you know you have the on one hand the um the artisanal side of football the the beauty of football etc etc mm-hmm. and he's on like a 30 million a season contract. You know, it's absolutely killed Barcelona, basically this club, which, you know, obviously as Man United fans, we have, we feel a certain way about Barcelona and how, what they've done to us in recent years, especially in European cup finals. But Barcelona has always been this club. Like they've had this great Academy. They build their own players, blah, blah, blah. but they've been so badly run these last 10 mm. years. And Messi, it just seems taken absolute advantage of that. And at their lowest point has, you know, jumped ship to, uh, the next, uh, the next team. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, I mean, he's he's thirty four now. It's only got probably two or three. I yeah. mean, he could he could probably go until he's forty because he's that he's that good. But um, you know, the real real top probably another two or three years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the final final chapter. It's not exactly Daniel Bryan going to AEW, is it? It's, <laughs> more, like, it's more like he left AEW and went to WWE for the last no. two years. Yeah. I think Paris are such an interesting team, though, with how they managed to uh, 
attract such high profile players playing in a league in which there are basically yeah, no other top teams. Yeah, or... it's probably money. I think that's probably a, a contributing factor. Even and they didn't even win the league last season. It's I absolutely know. crazy. Hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't you know. Having lived in Paris, I don't particularly feel strongly either way about Paris Saint Germain. But um, you know, I, I I just fear that they're in a situation now where should it happen that their owners are like oh, we've had enough of this football arc now like mm-hmm. that team's going to absolutely go bankrupt to a ridiculous degree you know oh of course yeah um, that's a bubble that's just forever expanding and potentially going to burst anyway I think that's more or less our footy guff this week Joe is it that's, that's about it yeah we covered it all good to be back right moving on bit of, bit of telly Let's chit chat about the telly. Who's been watching telly this week? Uh, well, I'm watching Tintin still. Obviously, I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with Tintin, more so than I was last week. All I talk about is Tintin. Um, and I learned in my Twitch stream this week they apparently don't really have Tintin in the US. Tintin's not really a thing in the United States. Uh, obviously, with the exception of Spielberg doing that film. Uh, I don't know if the books were ever published in the US. I think I read that. Um, mm. And of course, the TV show was like a Canadian production, so maybe it never crossed mm. down. I don't know. But um, I've I watched like a full disc of Tintin this week, <laughs> which is like 10 episodes, pretty much. Wow. Uh, so every evening, I just, before bed, I just climb into bed. Put the put the the disc in and stick on a forty five minute Tintin. Fall asleep to Tintin. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Tintin is 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 a very interesting show in that it's it's simultaneously a cartoon that existed around the time where, especially in the UK, there was like big crackdown on like censorship on kids' cartoons. You know, especially yeah. like we had Ninja Turtles, the Ninja Turtles hero turtles situation. Situation, yeah. Um. And especially when it came to like replicating violence. Yep. Um, but Tintin is a show that seems to have existed <laughs> outside of that bubble because I think it was produced in like 91, 92 ish, uh, albeit not in the UK. And it's such a, sh- a weird show because, you know, kids' movies and kids' TV these days is, is made with such a, you know, oh, we have to wrap it in cotton and no mention of bad things. And, yeah. You know what I mean? And then Tintin's like, come on, uh, Snowy, the heroin dealer's slapping around a hooker again. Every episode is about opium dealers. Yeah, opium it's all gets about, mentioned like, a hundred times an episode. <laughs> it legitimately is. And they're going, oh my God, there's opium in the crab. <laughs> the cans of crab meat, it's opium in it. And he's just fighting people, and there's guns and machine guns left, right, and center. There's like zero censorship of the stories, which, you know, on one hand is, is good in that sense, but also the show at points really kind of straddles the line, but stays just, I would say, just the right side of a uh, racist. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are like characters who are, no, not explicitly stated to be, but there are, are hinted that they're like, um, you know, Jewish kind of caricatures, uh, Chinese, obviously. Um, I think Tintin refers to a Japanese man at one point as a Japanese, which might just be a thing of the times. I don't know. Obviously, as I, as I said before, these were written in like the 1930s. 
Yeah, and have been kind of censored. Some of the some of the the, the comics never made it to cartoon form. Well, there's somewhere even, goes to Africa, isn't it? And it's a bit. There's yeah, there's uh, Tintin in the Congo, I think it's called, oh, and then yeah. Tintin in the land. Oh, of are the you Soviets. suggesting that a Frenchman in the 1930s wouldn't have had a, a, a respectable uh, a vision of Africa? A Come Belgian man in the 1930s. Oh, sorry, excuse me. More centralized Europe, even better. Mm, yeah, exactly. Now there was definitely um, even in the drawings you can see that even because because initially they, they were done in black and white, yeah. and then. They were redone, I think, in like the 50s in color. And there were already changes made to it then to kind of reduce some of that problematic uh, 1930s attitude. Um, and the, co- the the cartoon is not bad for that at all, no, necessarily. Yeah. Like, a lot of that has been kind of filtered. But um, still, it's, it's, it's refreshing to watch a kid's show where they're like, Great Snake Snowy? The opium dealer's on the way. Quick, get grab that gun. And he's I, think constantly... I think it's part of why, I mean, obviously it's just generally super popular, but I think yeah. I think it's part of why networks probably do lean heavily into fantasy and superhero stuff is because you can just have a monster or a laser right. or a whatever, and so you don't have to have terrorists, I guess. Like, <laughs> there, there are terrorists. In there it. are terrorists yeah. in Tintin, I recall it. Yeah. <laughs> Terrorist. It, it seems to be opium dealers nine out of ten times, and if it's not, it's a terrorist. <laughs> um, I just watched the episodes there that the that the Spielberg movie is based on. Okay, uh, so I'm interested to watch the movie again. I really, really enjoy that movie, but I I haven't watched the movie, you know, being refreshed on the original kind of stories. So that'd be nice. Um, also, as I said, I watched another episode of Succession, uh, episode three of season one. Still very much enjoying that. I do kind of worry, though, with Succession. There was one scene in it where um, the Kieran Culkin character was like, goes into his office on his own and he lies down on the floor and then he gets up and he's like standing at the window, like uh, jerking off, looking at the window over the city. And I was like, you know, this show is very kind of obviously very sarcastic, very dry um, and deals with that kind of, you know, the futility of upper management and kind of right. the, the doggy dog world that that is. But at points, I wonder if it, if it, it goes a little too into the realm of kind of overly being overly sarcastic or, or almost boring it to bad taste. And I, I don't, I don't know if that's a line that I want them to cross too many times. Like, yeah. I don't think they've, they've done that too much yet, but sometimes it, it kind of like, I, I like when it's, it's, it's very kind of satirical and very, um, not even like gritty necessarily, but like where, where it's almost a drama equally to being a comedy. And there are some moments where it, it's it's almost a bit too silly, you know, where where the image is just too out there for me to really kind of buy into. But it's quite vulgar at times. At times, but I think but at times is okay, poor. depending on how uh, vulgar they go. You uh, know? The rich, not quite vulgar. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the satirical <laughs> element. I mean, but. When you're literally looking at an actor stand by window going <laughs> pulling away at themselves, you know, it's like, we're a little, we're a little bit, a little bit too silly for for my refined Tintin tastes. <laughs> um, but no, definitely a, a still a great show. I'll probably watch episode four maybe tomorrow or the next day. And it's, but it's a show that I'm like always looking forward to getting the next piece. You know, yeah. Ooh. That's all I watched. What about you, Joe? Um, started a new show on Netflix called uh, On Becoming a God in Central Florida. 
um, which stars Kirsten Dunst uh, of Spider-Man fame. Um, she plays a woman in the 1980s in Florida whose husband was in a multi-level marketing, uh, com- part of a multi-level marketing company. It's basically a pyramid scheme. Um, so that's quite interesting because I'm quite intrigued by these um, these multi-level marketing companies because they are basically a total scam. And the idea is you, know, you recruit people to sell on your behalf and then you get a cut of what they sell. But the only way you really make money is by recruiting people. You know, if you're selling makeup kits or diet supplements or other stuff, you don't, it's impossible to actually make any money because of the, you know, the business model involved, but you basically recruit all these people. They pay you money. They have to recruit more people and hence the pyramid. Um, so it's quite interesting that, and this is a quite, um, interesting sort of look into that world, but I don't, I'm not sure why they kind of specifically went with the period setting, but it's quite, maybe it's that kind of Reagan-esque sort of thing of, of 80s America and entrepreneurialism and aspiration. And all you need to do is believe that you can, you know, be rich and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you, you'll be a millionaire, billionaire, whatever it's that kind of thing. Um, so essentially, yeah, it follows Kirsten Dunst's character who has come from a very poor background and is now kind of having to battle with her husband, uh, spending all of their money on this multi-level marketing scheme and not actually making any money. And she's determined that she's not going to go back to being poor and uh, and kind of lose the house and all this stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's very it's very dark. Um, it's, it's some comedy in it, but it's also... <laughs> a lot of like desperation among the characters, a lot of greed and desperation and kind of moral, you know, ambiguity. So quite enjoyable so far, but not exactly like light watching. <laughs> like okay. you don't throw it on and go, oh, this is this is a lot. Even compared to like succession, which generally quite funny, you know, even in the sort of vulgarity and the satire, you know, quite lots of funny dialogue and stuff. This one's quite actually quite heavy, more like more of a dark comedy. Um but yeah, pretty good. We're only two episodes in, so will uh, persevere with that um i think it was actually cancelled after the first season of oh. 10 episodes so we watched the first 10 and hopefully it uh, resolves itself within within that first season anyway but yeah that's what we're watching until until we get to autumn and we can start watching gilmore girls again um, and <laughs> that's what we're that's what we're watching to sort of bridge the gap <laughs> i need to get back on gilmore girls i need to the old billmore get back on it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's all we've been watching, really, and then just yeah, bits and pieces and footy and that. Yeah, the best TV show. Yeah, AEW Dynamite was. What season of footy are we on now? One hundred or something. Oh, I'd say it can't be. I, it must be nearly as many seasons as we've had of the news, which I think is getting a little bit. <laughs> I just thought today that to be honest. They're on season 11 of The Walking Dead now. Like, yeah. I mean, that show itself is a zombie at this stage. Like, they let just, it die. Christ. They just dumped everything up until the latest season on Disney. And I was like, oh, look, I did used to watch it. And then I was like, oh, God, 10? No, I don't. Yeah. Especially when part of the problems I was having was it, like, it feels like they're running out of ideas and everything's <laughs> going longer than it needs. That was like season yeah. four when I stopped <laughs> watching. So... Um. Yeah. No. No desire. No telly. No new uh, telly of any note for me this week. I did get um going in completely cold, but I, I got it recommended by so many people. I bought the the first season of Doom Patrol on right. uh, uh, Blu-ray, which is um a kind of the latest in the current trend of like 
here is our kitschy B team superhero thing that that's not Batman and Spider Man uh, yeah. from from DC. It's kind of it was probably one of the the first kind of notable projects in Brendan Fraser's current kind of return um, to prominence. Heard it's really good. I, it was like a tenor on Amazon, so I'm going to give that a look. I, hopefully next week I'll I'll be able to weigh in on it. Um, uh, yeah, so I grabbed that. Um, there was something else. I actually, I you know what? I just realized I had I didn't actually see Rick and Morty this week. I, I'll, I'll have to. Neither have I. I'll Too busy to, watching Tintin. Yeah, I'll have to do a uh, uh, a double bill. Um, Me too. Time for next week's show. Uh, yeah, I didn't we, even watch RuPaul's Drag Race this week. Why not? Tintin. Oh, Joe, so you're just <laughs> Jesus. You are just watching Tintin then. Tintin. Um, I'm trying to think. What we, what, could someone make a great drag Tintin name? Tit tit. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> tin talk. Yeah, talk tin. Talk talk tin. There we go. We got there. Oh Team God, effort. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so, if any Belgians <laughs> listening to this are, are trying to figure out their um, their name because they want to audition for for RuPaul's Drag Race uh, Europe. Uh, absolutely go for it anyway uh, we will uh, jump in to the old uh, movie off here um, uh, now I just saw the one movie this week um, that I'll just give a quick mention to not too much to say about it I saw an Irish film oh, Jesus. Uh, co-produced by Fee Charland our, our, our film board and the Northern Irish film board it is actually a Northern Irish film I think some of it was filmed in the Republic uh, The Boys from County Hell and it has just kind of the right mix of uh, of of uh, ballpark kind of uh, genres and ideas. It is a sort of like horror comedy set in rural Ireland, of which there have actually been quite a few over the last couple of years. Um, I think it's a it's a, a fun concept, basically, uh, and it deals with all the things that a, a movie typically like because there's so much there's so much Irish media dealing with small town Irish life, and oh, I want to get out of here and being stuck in its ways and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Boys from County Hill is, is, is uh, fairly similar. It's about this kind of uh, guy in his like early 20s who's kind of uh, at his wit's end. He lives in a tiny town. He goes to the same pub all the time. They get a couple of tourists in. Um, it's, it's actually a very, a really, one thing it really nails is that kind of Irish thing of latching onto one thing. One person came here once upon a time. So the right. pub in this film is called The Stoker because the story of the film is that Bram Stoker came to this town a hundred years ago, had a Guinness in this pub, and then wrote Dracula based on the, the, uh, some Irish legend of what would then go on to be known as a vampire in modern times. Uh, so, uh, so that's kind of the setting. And then, uh, things go haywire, you know, there's a vampire and, and I'll, I'll, without going too much into it, do that. but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, really solid practical effects, good cast. Uh, one of the casts from Dairy Girls is in it. She's very good. Um, didn't really recognize anyone else, uh, but solid cast and a good time. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a solid thumbs up, not an essential must see, but if you if you want a horror comedy and something a bit like, you know, Smaller budget, something like blockbuster. That's a good, solid recommendation. Uh, yeah, so that's all I've seen. No other, no other movies this week. Nice. Um, I think Paul, you have watched as well. I have watched um, a little movie starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yes. Um, called The Jungle Cruise. 
based on the ride of the same name, the Disney ride. Yes. Uh, so what did you make of it, Paul? I really enjoyed it. That's funny. Because I thought it was going to be shite, but I also really enjoyed it. Wow. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is actually fun. Yeah. And um, The Rock's pretty good in it. He is. He's funny. He has shows a bit of a sensitive side in this one, which I haven't really seen in some of his other movies, or he tries to, and it's just a bit yeah. shit. But he actually kind of does a decent <laughs> job. He decent doesn't job cry in, in it, though. No, that's probably, has for the best. In... It's probably for the best. Ooh, Faster? Did he cry in Faster? I don't know. Yeah. There's definitely a film I've seen that he's, he cries in, one of the lesser ones. No, but he's he's great. Emily Blunt's great. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought actually the first half an hour of the movie, I thought it was a bit wonky at times. There's a kind of sequence involving a jaguar, a birdcage, and then <laughs> a sea vessel, I won't name, that, um, that, that all kind of went by very, very quickly. And I was like, what the hell is going right. on this movie? The pacing was all over the place. And some of it was a bit bit too... C- well, the whole movie was very CGI dependent. That's probably one criticism I would have. Like some okay. of the CGI was just, got, you know, overabundant. Um, yeah, first half an hour was a bit shaky. But then after that, it kind of settled into them being on the cruise. Emily Blunt, uh, The Rock, Jack Whitehall are on this boat kind of going down the Amazon river. And from there it kind of kicked in and the, and the relationship and the chemistry between the three of them uh, became the kind of dominant thing. And that's when it started to, to get quite good. Yeah. Um, Jack Whitehall was fine, you know, not, not an annoying performance. He did the, the role. He kind of plays like a sort of a risible English tough, um, <laughs> does it very well. Um, He's yeah, kind of funny. I would say the only the, I have a weird criticism of Jack Whitehall in the movie, which right. is that he's too tall. Um, okay. There's a point where he stands <laughs> on the boat face to face with the Rock, and he's literally as tall as the Rock. And I'm like, he's supposed to be this chinless, like English, you know, <laughs> idiot, and he's fucking enormous. He could be. Right. He could. He walked into WWE. I think you know. I I, I do recall thinking that on his his sole AEW appearance that he was strikingly tall. He is, he is very tall. So that was a bit that was a strange one. Made the rock look like a normal sort of guy rather than a big hulking warrior. But yeah. Other but then that, I think I think good. that played into the um into the, in the movie's favour in that the in this movie I think the rock is a bit more of an everyman yeah. than a big a big hulk. He's more of a Bruce Willis type than yeah. a I'm a six foot six, you know, four hundred pound. So <laughs> sometimes it's very strange, you know, when he's supposed to be a cop or he's supposed to be a, you know, boat captain. Because yeah, there, there, there are points in the second part of the movie where there's there's a flashback, and yeah. again, the Rock's character isn't is not shown to be bigger or tougher than anyone else. Like he, he, even though you see him on screen as this big, and you know it's the Rock, you know he's this henchel. Bastard. Yeah, but the movie doesn't play it that way. The movie plays it as if well, he's just he's just a guy. He's not the Rock. He's just some fella. So I didn't mind that so much. Definitely, like you said, Joe, there there is some wonky CGI at points. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, if it reminded me a bit of the the poor CGI and like Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally wasn't a problem. I didn't feel like I was watching, um, you know, Attack of the Clones or something. I could lose myself. In the film, yeah, uh, and I, I, you know, for all the people who will say, "Oh, it's it's a film based on a fucking theme park ride," how good's it gonna be? 
I actually think that completely worked in its favor. Uh, and I, all the little references to the ride itself, mm-hmm. I found like completely charming and I thought they all worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, Blunt, it's already been done anyway. Like Pirates of the Caribbean broke the seal on that and was really good. You know, I know. So. And I think this was yeah. kind of of that ilk. Um, it definitely has a bit of like a, not necessarily Pirates, maybe more like The Mummy. It has that kind right. of feel to it. Oh, um, I'm so sorry, it's, Mummy. Yeah. It's a bit of a throwback in that sense, but like in a good way. Um, if anyone, <laughs> if you don't like The Mummy, oh, you are not a friend of ours. Um <laughs> But no, I, I really thought, I thought Emily Blunt was absolutely the star of the show. I thought she was excellent. Love, love yeah. the Bluntster. Um, Rock is great. And Jack Whitehall, like you say, I, I'm not at all a fan of his. Uh, but I thought he was, you know, perfectly good in it. He's, a, he's an AEW guy, so maybe I, that's why I like him now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I <hated> him before. <laughs> yeah, um, he was good. There was, of course, the, the fame, the, well, slightly infamous scene, which I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. Because when right. it first came out, uh, you know about the movie, the, the production that he was in. It the whole story was that he was going to be the first gay character in right. a Disney movie, and I was like, okay, well, Let's you know, see we'll see what they his. do with that. Yeah, will they make him into just a stereotype or a silly comedy character? What that amounted to was a single scene <laughs> of dialogue with The Rock, where he doesn't actually say that he's gay, but he just kind of nods, nod, nods and winks to, oh, I had other interests. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like that girl because my interests were elsewhere. And The Rock was like, hmm, elsewhere, huh? And that was it. That was the whole mention of his sexuality. Love and it. it's like, okay, so technically it's a gay character in a Disney movie, but like, yeah, I don't know. No, it's, it's completely. It, it was. It's very, like that kiss in was it in Rise of Skywalker or Last Jedi? The kid, the two background characters have okay. a kiss. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, that's it's, it's that yeah. level on the <laughs> on the Disney level. That stuff has been really hyper analyzed, and I think um, what was the other one? Uh, Endgame, because you know, there's the, that that guy in the support group after the snap in Endgame, yeah. and he's like, oh. I, my boyfriend left me or whatever mm. and people were like that's that's kind of weird why why you know have a background character the the really cynical reason is when it's something disposable like that they can chop it when they're releasing it in other countries that are not yes. as accepting of progressive ideology the is, yeah. so it's even more cynical than you think it's like yeah. it's really lazily trying to uh, you know play both sides basically but then um, there is a second scene where they use his sexuality to do like gay panic jokes. Really? Where he's like, "Ooh, I forget what it is. I think the, the Rock has like got something stuck in his chest or something." Oh, you're and he's like, it, "I'll come around for something. Yeah, I'll come around. <laughs> I'll come around behind you and give you a little bit of a wiggle or something." Oh, do you want me to suck it out? Yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> you know, oh, it, you it, can call me Genie. <laughs> Well, it is the rock at the end of the day, you know. He's, it it, it he's does still, become a, he, yeah. he's still nineteen ninety nine Dwayne. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit all Kenneth Williams, you know. I imagine, um, I imagine on the set when it was coming time to do those scenes, he was like uh, that that episode of extras with the play. Yeah, the rock's just like no. I said I wasn't going to do it. I like pie. All right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it absolutely comes off as something that they like. Oh, that's the scene we'll 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 have to placate. The, the the woke western mass yeah. and then as soon as we were going to the other side we'll whoop chop choppy, that out choppy. and it doesn't affect the plot whatsoever yeah mm. but um no i i really really enjoyed it i thought it was absolutely you know everything you wanted it to be exciting 
thrilling. You care about the characters. The only thing I would say is I thought, without getting into spoilers, I thought they didn't do enough to really. Well, you have you have your 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 villain right, which is played by the the Jesse Plemons, who is just mm. not, not having a go at Jesse Plemons, but he's like. He, he's bigger every time I see him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> remember when he was little Todd back in Breaking Bad? Well, I remember when he had to be Todd again in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and what what was funny about about um, El Camino was the Breaking Bad was suddenly getting very avant garde with how they were trying to shoot those scenes. It was yeah. really bizarre. Now he's very good in it. He's, then he's always great. Yeah. Then there's like another character, right? And that other character, I don't think they did enough to distinguish that that character was like the leader of the group. He just mm-hmm. kind of blended in with some other characters. I don't want to talk too much about it, but that would be another little nitpick that I would have. But overall, big double thumbs up for that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Very. Very good. Love you. I go see it. Very good stuff. Um, what else have I watched? I watched a couple of teen teen movies as well. So I watched a movie called Can't Hardly Wait, which is probably the most nineties movie you'll ever see. Ooh. So it's a it's a high school movie, and it's all it all takes place over over one night at a kind of graduation house party, um, and it stars Jennifer Love Hewitt as the kind of uh, romantic interest. And I, I can't remember the lead guy's name. He's not. He wasn't somebody who went on to to be anything anything kind of noticeable but he plays this kind of really annoying fucking dopey incel teenager who's like reminds me of dawson from dawson's creek because he's just like pining for this girl and he's like oh, she if she only knew that i how much i loved her and you know how, <laughs> how like sensitive and passionate i am and it's like fuck off you like why should you get with the girl just because you're you know pining for a you knobhead anyway he's really annoying but um yeah it's quite a fun quite a funny movie because i say very 90s um mm. it's and i'll tell you something that 90s teen movies really liked it's having white people act like they're black <laughs> and, <laughs> and say the n-word so that everyone what? around them can go what yeah. everyone be shocked by it it's like okay. yeah i mean we get what you're going for it's like kind of vince mcmahon booker t you know, yeah, you know the joke. Yeah. The white person's incredibly out of touch, but it's also a bit like, okay, yeah. interesting. We can do that now. It's also not be. It's also been done so much as yeah. well. It is like that joke. That joke is like getting a pie in the face in 2021. It's like yeah. it's so old hat. So lame. Um, yeah, but quite a, quite a funny movie in as much as it's very much a time capsule of the 90s. So quite enjoyed that. Uh, and then we watched a movie that I was. A very big fan of that has not aged quite as well as I thought it had, which is uh, not another teen movie, which is a kind of parody of you know teenage high school movies that came out. I think it was like two thousand one, two thousand two, um, but it came out it came out around the same time as Scary Movie, mm. um, but it was not made by that that same uh, you know group. It was actually a separate um, separate production. Um, so it's not, and I always kind of def- those are obviously all those movies, the superhero movie, epic movie, all of that, the scary movie sequels. Obviously, we're all complete shit. Um, but I was sort of not another teen movie was actually quite a good sort of satire, like the way it it sent up um, sort of teen movies from the eighties and nineties was really good. Having said that, um, 
watching it back yesterday is again a lot of really like gross out jokes and and the joke we just talked about um it's, it's still a lot funnier than your kind of scary movie sequels but um yeah not quite as funny as, as i remembered so uh might not be revisiting that one the most interesting part is that the lead actor is mr chris evans from captain america ah. in his his debut movie role so he kind of plays the sensitive uh jock um yeah, and he's he's very funny in it actually. Um, very good comedic skills, Mister uh, Mister Evans. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, <laughs> not not quite the movie I remembered. But um, yeah, so a couple a couple of good team movies there, kind of back from the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, and you've got that certain certain type of soundtrack that you just never hear anymore, which is mainly kind of rock and indie based, and you just yeah. never hear rock songs and movies anymore. It's <laughs> It's just they just don't exist, and so that's always kind of strange as well. Like the kind of um, uh, "Kiss Me" by oh, I can't remember the name of the band now. You'll know the song, but yeah, that those kind of like classic rock rock songs as well. So um, yeah, trip down memory lane with with those two. So uh, yeah, that's been it for this week. Uh, I watched one more film, one that Barry saw the previous week and liked Go a lot. On. To Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. The new one uh, by old Gunny Goo. The Gunster. The Gunster. The Gun Show. Uh, with John Cena, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, and the, the rest of the gang. The lads. The, the, um, I liked it. I didn't quite love it as much as Barry did. Mm. It, it was good. It was good. Um, there, there was lots I liked about it, so I guess I'll talk about that first. Um, thought John Cena was very good in it. Yes. In fact, I thought pretty much everyone was good in it. Um, I don't think there's anyone that stands out as being kind of a weaker performance. Like Cena's great, Elvis great, Robbie's very good, Viola Davis is very good. Uh, your man who plays polka dot man whose name I won't even try to pronounce. Yeah. From from prisoners. He's very good. Um, yeah, they're all great. Like, performances are all great. As far as the the look of the film, very good as well. Um, and I liked I, when I talking too much about it. I kind of liked the where the film goes ultimately in like the last kind of thirty minutes of it. Yeah. That being said, I can't believe it's only been three films. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it's more because it feels like more. Uh, that this this Margot Robbie Harley Quinn has been in, yeah. Well, like I'm completely done with that character. I feel it's weird <laughs> because I feel like she is really great, yes, at being that character. Obviously, um, she's a, a tremendous actor in general. Yeah, and I, in general, I would say I like Harley Quinn a lot. But this one kind of felt like. Um, we well, you have to have the marketable one in there, James. We're exactly. leaving you do. We're, you're leaving you do a lot, but you have to have fucking. You're not going to get very far with Shark Man and Boomerang Boy um, without without fucking Harley Quinn in, in the middle there. Yeah, because she's like top build in the credits as well, and it's like this character does nothing in this movie. Yeah. She shows up. Her, her, her the, the point is that she shows up and she is Harley Quinn. That's the thing. Yeah. 
She shows up and does her, hey, I'm Harley Quinn. And I don't think he writes her especially well either. Like, I really, I know you didn't, I liked Birds of Prey a lot. I really liked Birds of Prey. I thought, but I thought he, because I know James Gunn wrote it as well. It's just like, you know, in what is generally a very well written film, I don't think he did did a lot of, of any interest with her. Yeah. Like I don't know, it's 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 obviously not overexposure because she's it's only three yeah. Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, and now the Suicide Squad. But I feel like I've seen her in ten films now. Mm. And as soon as she you know showed up and was doing her her New York shtick, I just felt a bit like oh, I'm completely burned out on this character. <laughs> Let's move on. But uh, like she like she's not bad in it as we said. The character has very little to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. I say very little to do, but she has like entire scenes that are devoted to just her, but they they feel completely superfluous to the story that's going on and serve only to like lengthen the film and have Harley Quinn in it. Yeah, she like as far as the plot of the film goes, she has very little to do. Um, and you know, ultimately, you know, James Gunn is is a. Uh, uh, a talented writer and, and the film is definitely very out there but I didn't think it was that funny ultimately mm. um, I don't know whether I, why I expect it to be funny because I guess James Gunn is very creative I don't know if he's necessarily like a comedic writer I think I they just, pushed I, it as a comedic thing yeah, I, I just kind of guess I expected it. it to be funnier than it was um, there were some funny visuals mm. which I don't know how much you play into that into the writing like I liked there's one point where the superheroes for one reason or another which I won't spoil but they kind of they lose their like super suits, and so you have Idris Elba running around with his mask, but with just like a T-shirt that he found on it, like a washing line. Yeah, and then John Cena at one point has a shirt that's maybe two sizes too small, and his little belly is poking out, you know, under the bottom of it. And there's some funny stuff like that, and it, and I did laugh, but I just guess I expected it to be funnier than it was. And you know, as far as being a James Gunn movie. Apart from some of the visuals towards the very end, I guess I just found it kind of more run of the mill than I expected it to be. Yeah. Although definitely, you know, towards the higher end of you know as far as run of the mill goes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just my own expectations kind of colored what I thought of it. But I don't know. I just, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good rather than kind of being blown away by it. But I, you know, definitely on the right side of the fence of good. And uh, certainly f- much better than the David Ayer, <laughs> allegedly yeah. David Ayer butchered original. Mm. Yeah, that's that. That is a really funny situation because I think you can look at it and go, "Look, absolutely, I, I believe this was a a horrible hack job post post filming." But I also think it's like it's not very well written. I don't think any <laughs> of the characters are interesting at all. I think it looks like shit in general. Like it's just you know, um, I don't really yeah. care to see it. I don't. I, I. I don't either. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I know. I. I. I did. It's funny actually because yeah. Speaking of that version, like on the Harley Quinn thing, it's like I don't think this is what happened. But her scenes have a little bit of a vibe of because there's one where she like escapes a prison. Oh, sorry. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> uh, it, it's in the first like thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah. There's there's like an escape sequence with her, and there's a couple of other scenes. She gets separated quite frequently from from the main group yeah. and it, it it almost has a vibe of they were just like 
we need we need 22% more Harley Quinn in this movie. Let's just get Margot back in on a set with a couple of guys yeah. she can fight and we'll shove that in that. I don't that's not what happened, but it feels that way cuz yeah. she, uh, she has a lot of screen time for someone whose momentum does not actually or doesn't affect the momentum of the plot. Yeah. And um, in fact, I thought that scene that you're referring to it was like really well shot. Yes, the no, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it looked great. Um and yet I felt completely like, why am I watching this? Yeah. What's happening with Suicide Squad? You know, like, is, yeah. It's one of the best looking scenes in a movie, but it's also ultimately what feels like one of the most pointless scenes in a movie. That that is, I think I said this as well when I watched it a few weeks ago. I think that is going to be one of the areas that the DC movies have an advantage. Um because, like, 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 James Gunn's Guardians movie are, like, a little bit weirder than a standard Marvel movie, but they're not really. He's still playing. And especially in... nowadays, they're not going to be. No, because no. Because every is... film is that template. Is that now, yeah. So, but, so with this, but with this one, it's, like, things like the movement of the camera in this particular scene is different from all the other scenes, and it's different yeah. from everything else that DC puts out. There's, I think I mentioned it last time, there's like a fight scene like reflected in John Cena's helmet at one stage. You've got the extended Harley Quinn action scene that doesn't look like any doesn't look like anything else in the movie, you know, let alone other movies. And that's I think that's gonna be their strength is letting directors direct. Also, when yeah. you you I it's funny because we talked about Jungle Cruise as well, and you said the the CGI was iffy. I feel like just in general across all blockbusters w- the CGI is either really good or really bad, and the the, the middle ground is really withering away. I yeah. I, I find, um, I thought I thought Suicide Squads was some of the best. Um, yeah, uh, I've seen an amazing film in a while. By it. Sure. it was it was both spectacular and like like clean and well uh, bonded into the rest of the film. Um, I think I think with Disney and we see it a lot with Marvel, and there was those you know really funny quotes about the Eternals movie being made and Kevin Feige being blown away by seeing a field. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, I think with Disney, it's just, it's just, it's just too much. It's just literally everything. It is like the Star Wars prequel joke. It is just, yeah. it's so dense. Every thing is touched by a green screen or a special effect. And when, when every, when the, when the ground you're walking on is CGI, the human eye can just detect that that's fake. It doesn't matter how cool the monster looks. It's everything around it looks like shit. Yeah, um, and I wonder if the pandemic has kind of affected the resources being allotted to special effects departments. Yeah, uh, or you no know, post production, generally speaking, because you know it seems like Disney's modus operandi lately has been like make as much money as possible but spend as little. Um, so I wonder if there's some like corner cutting going on there. Definitely, um, and it was it was pre pandemic, but when would the filming happened, but exactly. Have you seen Black, Have you seen Black Widow yet? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a lot of that movie where it's like you just fucking got Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson, and they're just sitting in a in front of a fucking green screen just chatting. And some of it looks pretty good, to be fair. Some of it does absolutely not look good. And it's not even just action scenes. There's a lot of sitting around doing exposition, and you're looking going, there. You're not in a bar. What is this? Why you couldn't find a shitty little bar to have this conversation in? Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely. I think going to be a, a it's, we're, we're going to continue down this road for sure. Um, yeah, but that's your. Was there? There wasn't. Was there a credits thing in Suicide Squad? I've already forgotten. Um, I don't think there was. There is. Yeah. Is there? Okay. I, yeah, I'm, no, I, no, I, no, I watched no. it. Um, well, well, a character who seemed <laughs> to have. I'll say no more than that. Oh, that one. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Okay. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. And and then another character says, "Quick, we have to make a TV show. <laughs> Let's yeah. go do it." <laughs> 
They're making a the that John Cena character is getting a show. Yeah, he? he's getting a TV show. I I watched after watching the movie, I was like, that's you know what, the, the great performance, really yeah, fun he, character. Yeah. But I was kind of like, oh, but does he have a TV show in him as a leading man? Well, I suppose if he if he's doing this goofy character, maybe he does. I guess not even as a leading man, but the the character itself feels. I'm I'm gonna you know I, I myself here as a man who hasn't the patience to give something enough time but it, it like the Saul Goodman thing with Better Call Saul mm. obviously I only watched season one but I've heard it gets better da, da, da. okay yeah spare yeah. us but like the problem I had with season one of Better Call Saul was that Saul Goodman is a great like secondary character but not yeah. the lead you know and I wonder if uh, Peacemaker is going to have a bit of that where he's like a, a funny clever side character but as the lead how do people bounce off him is that going to have the same effect I don't know We'll see. Yeah, so that was the... You see anything other than The Suicide Squad? Uh, Jungle Cruise. Highly recommend. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Jungle Cruise, uh, better than Suicide Squad. That's my review. Wow, spicy. Yeah. Spicy hot takes. To be fair, I, people seem to really like it. I mean, I, I've been yeah. really surprised by that. The Rock does not have to do his... I, I didn't make this for you people uh, tweets anymore. No, I, well, uh, critically, I've seen it get kind of middle mm. not bad reviews but like three star two star i, I think what he and the execs mostly care about so long as they got the out fresh i think they're yeah, happy but with everyone that. i know who's seen it loved it mm. this is the one that i should tweet the rock about <laughs> i actually really liked one of your films for a change at the rock <laughs> um but yeah Although I, I i'm still missing one rock film for my completion uh, 100% completion rating. I, I still haven't watched Jumanji 2 yet. Oh, that's a fun one. I that's a fun one. That. I will get on to that. Uh, like the first one, pleasantly surprising. Very goofy. It's not It's not high wit, but I chuckled quite a bit at it. Yeah. Um, I put Jungle Cruise, by the way, at number four, I think, in my rock rating. So that's how wow. high, high it was. Um, where's my little list? Yeah, yeah, number four. Uh, between Fast and Furious 6 and Pain and Gain. Which a lot of people hate Pain and Gain, by the way, but I liked it yeah. quite a bit. Just below Fast 6, Furious 7, and Moana. They're the only three that I have read more highly. And that's out of 41 films that I've watched with The Rock in. Right, we talk about some video games, will we? Chat about some video games. Uh, I've got two new video games I haven't chatted about yeah. um, on this show yet. Uh, not too much to say about them. Uh, I played The Ramp, which is a Steam game made by one fellow. Um, and I think he, he himself describes it as akin to a toy, a digital toy, rather than a, uh, a fully-fledged game. Basically, it's kind of a... A little lo-fi, very simple, uh, simple to grip, but it's got a little bit of depth to it. Skateboarding game. It's kind of an isometric, top-down kind of view. Not quite bird's okay. eye, but you know, slanted, is- isometric view. And it's basically you. It's got four levels, and each level is a ramp. There's a half pipe, a swimming pool, a like slightly more complicated bowl, and then the I think the fourth level is literally a huge ramp that you can jump across. Uh, that's it. The tutorial is it, it explains, you know, all these skate games, they all have different, like, momentum systems. Like, Tony Hawk has the, the hold X before you jump to gain speed. 
uh, Ali Ali has the thing that drove me crazy. It was really complicated to time the landing. This game has a kind of momentum system where they encourage you to hold the A button on an Xbox controller as you're going up a ramp and release it as you go into the air, but then repress it when you're coming down on the ramp to gain momentum each way and then release and then release it when you're on smooth ground. So that's the basics of the system. Other than that, left stick to move, right stick to do tricks in the air, uh, right bumper to grind. They give you the the, the thrust of the, that those four instructions I just said. And then like, okay, just do stuff on this ramp. That is the game. Uh, there is no score. There is no objective. There is no collectibles. There is no time limit. There are achievements in the game, but the achievements are all do a 360, do a 540, grind for two meters, grind for five meters. It's, it's just do stuff, basically. And uh, none of it seems especially hard. One of them's like bail 50 times. And that's it. It's um, It's got a very cool kind of minimalist aesthetic. The ramps look quite nice. And then they're against basically like a plain color background. Your character, you've got like, you can, you've got like two skin colors and two body types. Very basic, again, kind of minimalist, no facial features on the character. So it's basically just lo-fi and lo-fi kind of hip hop beats in the background a little bit. It's a fiver. I got it on sale for three euro on Steam. Um, it is very cool. I know this is a cliche thing to say about literally every video game, but I think it should be on Switch uh, because it's only on Steam at the moment. And because of the lack of objectives and stuff to do, I think it's it feels really good. First of all, the 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 momentum system, the doing tricks, feels good. I could absolutely see myself picking it back up, especially on like a bus or something like that, messing around with a few minutes. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I don't know if I'm booting up the laptop, logging into Steam and playing this for five minutes and then putting it back down and logging off the laptop. Gotcha. This this should be on Switch, not just because I think it's a Switch-ish game. I think specifically for the bite-sized commute style of play, I think it would be great. But again, one guy made it, so it's not, I don't think, um, you know, resources are an issue. But it's cool. I think if, if people, you know, there's now a really nice, cool, eclectic mix of skateboarding games out there. Tony Hawk Remastered, all the skates are on Game Pass Skate 4 is coming. There's like two major like skate-ish simmy kind of games on Steam that are quite popular and I think they're on consoles now. And now you have this. So if people want to try it because they they play most of the skateboarding games, this is a new little addition to the genre. It's cool. It's cool. It's um uh it's a fun little little distraction. Um The other thing I played was Boomerang X, which is a first-person shooter. Uh, I'm also playing that on Steam, but it's also on the Switch, I believe. And basically, the way Boomerang X works is there's basically no exposition or story set up. You're, you're a guy in a ship. You wash up on a mysterious island, and all the all the wildlife want to kill you, so you have to fight them. Um, and your main weapon is a boomerang. And basically, for the first couple of combat arenas, it's like, okay, here's how you throw the boomerang. Here's the button to call it back. Okay, we're going to give you this new ability. And this is the key ability. When you press the right trigger to throw the boomerang, if you press the right trigger again, you will teleport to where the boomerang is rather than calling it back to you. And when you get to the boomerang, you will carry forward the momentum. So if you power up a throw, throw it straight up into the air and press trigger again, you'll spawn in the air and keep going up with the direction of the boomerang. It's as it's as cool and fast moving as it sounds. Super, super, super satisfying movement. The third or fourth ability you get is... Uh, when you pull the left trigger when you're mid-air, you get matrix bullet time, slowdown stuff. So you are, you know, throwing your boomerang to kill an enemy, teleporting to it while it's mid-air, slowing down time, and then looking around, where's my next enemy, killing them, and then teleporting over to that spot. And so it's a very kinetic-y, um, one of those games in the vein of like a Hotline Miami or a Super Hot where it's like, 
it's real time combat, but it's puzzly a little bit. Um, and it is fucking class. It is really, really good. Um, all those mechanics work exactly as good as they sound. Um, the levels, the levels are ramping up quite a bit. I've heard there's quite a difficulty spike in the second half. It's about a 15 hour game. I've heard I'm only about an hour in, uh, but it's great. It's really, really great. Um, if you like those kind of kinetic, fast paced, twitchy kind of games. And if you like that quote unquote, puzzly combat, um, it's way up there. 20 quid only on, on steam. And I assume switch is probably 22 or three or something for that. Yeah. Um, really good. It's kind of got a lo-fi kind of, uh, a lot of games are kind of going for that kind of almost quasi PS2, but like a little bit cleaner, obviously, but kind of minimalist, kind of lots of edges, um, you know, not super detailed, but it has a nice sense of style to it. So, yeah, that's Boomerang X, if anyone is interested in that. Uh, yeah, that's that. And the uh, and the Twitch games, of course, but we've talked about that. Yeah, I was in your stream live for the for first Mario. time for Mario. Uh, you got to see the yeah the Chucksters. You were just in time to see the Chucksters. I was act- I was actually there for a little bit of Bloodborne as well. Yes, you were. Yeah, very, actually, yeah, very, very short, very briefly. But I was there for yeah. the Mario Sunshine. Ooh, I was maybe a, a bad luck charm showing up for that one. Oh well, was... I I I think I had like I think I had the worst. I think I did. Oh no, I said I did say this on air. I was like after the the fucking put the chain chomp in the bath level. I was like if I wasn't streaming this, I'd be done. This would be yeah. where I'd be saying, all right, I've had enough. You this is. Are over the worst. I'll say. That. Okay, good, good. Um, well, plain sailing from here on in. I, I, I'll, <laughs> Joe says well. Joe's not certain. You know that. <laughs> but see, the thing, the thing about Mario Sunshine that I've learned from my experience and talking to you and talking to other people in the chat, uh, and again, Joe may may differ again, is that it, may, it makes fun of us all in different ways. Everyone's everyone's breaking point is different. No one ever said to me that this fucking bath level is the worst thing ever. I really lost it with that one. I was like, I can't, I, I can't fucking stand this. Yeah, to be fair. I- I think as Paul has pointed out before, you didn't actually follow the instructions. Well, they, it like, says, it says, why not use a barrel? And you were like, well, I don't need a fucking barrel. I've got a water pack on my back. Where's a barrel for do. you? They're like not super common everywhere. If they lines the level and he's like, hey, grab a barrel. Okay. But I said, no, go over there and get a barrel. And he's running around like a maniac going away from the bath. And I'm like, no, but I want to, I want to do this quickly. Anyway, anyway, leaving, <laughs> leaving all that aside. Um, yeah, I, I see. I think the 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 ones you have left on the level that you're you're currently doing, I I I think Goopy Inferno is is the toughest one on that level. I don't think too, I don't think there's too much tricky left in that level. And then I think the other level you haven't started yet. I don't I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember that being the hardest level of the game. Mm. And then you're on to the end. Then you're done. Um, although if you if you do get around to doing um, shine number five on my list, you are not over the worst. <laughs> Lovely. Honestly, well, that's what I was going to say. Is I, I'm 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 going to do probably at least one or two more of those. Yeah, uh, certainly. Well, the, the fifth oh. one on there is the biggest pain in the hole in the world. Lovely. Um, yeah, I very much very much enjoyed being there. I was saying to Joe before we started recording today. You know, you're you're kind of split in that being the nice friend i am i want to help i want to help you and yeah. I, I feel like one or two times i did say well here's here's the way you need to go but also as a viewer you know you want to enjoy watching barry suffer <laughs> yeah you don't want to help yeah. you don't you don't want to keep the, the 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 gimmick going but um very much enjoy that i also had a little stream of my own 
Um, oh, yes. My, my most fun one so far. Uh, we had people in the chat. The chat was hopping. I was playing the best dungeon in the game, the Forest Temple. Um, now, what I'll say is there were some there were some tech issues. I'm still learning. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I've, I've only got my provisional license. We're not flying yet. <laughs> but I feel like about 10 minutes into the stream, Everything was fixed, and the 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 whatever hour and a half that we were we were going, everything was fine. So I feel like for the next the next stream I do, which will be the Fire Temple, which I, I like almost as much as the Forest Temple, um, that that will be without issues. Finally, the stream will be absolutely hundred percent good, and we'll be good to go. I've also decided on what game I'm going to play next. Go on, um. Because I think I'll probably have Zelda beaten in about three or four more streams, however long that takes me to, mm. to do. If I, uh, I'm gonna play the story mode and all the various branches. I'll, I'll probably try and hundred percent it. Uh, the story mode of WWF No Mercy. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, uh, interesting one to do. Because sometimes you get a cage match, and they're just they're like watermelon festival in terms of how frustrating they're but i think that's what i'll do um yeah played a bit of ocarina of time like i said we had people in the chat it was very very fun interacting playing the level getting lost in the level spending just hours looking for keys <laughs> finding the keys very very enjoyable very very fun uh looking forward to the next temple and funnily enough the next temple now is is the second out of five you play as adult link and is the point at which my my knowledge, having replayed the game X number of times, that's the point at which my knowledge after that starts to waver a little bit, and I don't know the game as well. So once we get to like Shadow Temple, Spirit Temple, I'm really not going to know what I'm doing. It's going to be like watching someone play for the first time. Um, so that should be fun as well. Uh, but more importantly, I've started playing this hip new game. The kids are all talking about it. Halo Combat Evolved. Oh, you're getting all the classics in, aren't you? I know. Well, I'm, it, it's the Game Pass version, so it's actually the Halo Master Chief uh, collection version. It's not the original, uh, which is not available on Game Pass. You can only get the Master Chief collection. 132 gig version. Um, So I'm, I'm like, I don't know, 30% through it, I would say, at this point. It's not a you know super long game. It's maybe eight or nine hours long. I've been playing it for maybe two or three hours. Um, I really like the uh, ability to flick between the the kind of more modern updated graphics of the uh, the remaster collection and the 2001 mm. graphics. Uh, ooh, I did not remember that game looking like as dog shit as it looks. Uh, <laughs> that is one ugly ass, yeah, polygon with no texture on it. Game. <laughs> um, God, the textures are just blurs there is like no texture definition whatsoever in that game but that you can actually use that to your advantage so i'm i'm not using the graphics changing as a kind of novelty you know where i'll play through it on good graphics and then i'll dip my toe in and have a look at the bad graphics i find it easier to find like weapons on the floor in the in the old graphics yeah, than yeah. the modern ones. Because so, like you said, there's no, there's no textures on this block of ground. So the AK-47 jumps out a little bit exactly. more, you know. So if I'm scanning, I'll quickly change the graphics and have, okay, am I missing anything here? Oh, there's a grenade over here I didn't see. Boom. Um, 
but the game itself is is kind of what I remember it being. Like I've I've beaten Halo before. Uh, I I think I got like two thirds of the way through Halo Two, and uh, is it the Flood? No, the Flood is from Super Mario Sunshine. The what what's the name of the the kind of enemies that kind of blow up as as you shoot them and they spawn more and more enemies? I forget what they're called. Uh the it's the something it's like the cloud or the yeah i, w- I wish i could remember i wish i, I just remember. i just found those enemies so annoying that it, yeah, i just gave up the game playing it <laughs> completely um but you know I'm, I'm gonna play through them all hopefully and while halo like i say is what i remember it you know what i remember it being which is is repetitive locations and you go on the alien mothership and it's just a maze of corridors that all look the same um and then what, what the game does is, after you're lost for long enough, it gives you a little waypoint. Oh, here's where you need to go. Just give me that at the beginning. Because I'm just walking through these corridors that are all identical, not knowing where to go. Um, it's fine. The shooting is very satisfying. Uh, I actually appreciate the fact that the, like while I really, really was impressed by the PS5 controller, I appreciate the fact that the Xbox controller isn't trying to wow me with constant little vibrations. and It's yeah. just a controller that I can play the game with. Um, yeah, like it, it, it's it's fun and it's 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 a, it's a very old game with it. It's you know it's just a very old game with a new lick of paint. But I appreciate that you know it's it's the building bricks to the point where I'm going to be able to play Halo Infinite very shortly, and I'm going to appreciate yeah. that more having played the old ones. So it is what it is. Uh, funnily enough, since my rant last week, uh, haven't touched Paper Mario. Well, you know, you've got a new Xbox now. Yeah, so, I didn't. Know. I didn't go back and beat the, beat up that stake again, but I will. I I hundred percent going to beat that game. I, really I believe you will. I I I I know you wouldn't be the. But for some reason, I've not done. had the uh, you know the encouragement to go back and <laughs> pick it up again. It's just the Wii U controller is, is on the floor next to me where it has remained for over a week since we last podcast. Anyway, let's talk about wrestling, folks. Let's talk about motherfucking wrestling. Um, I mean, I mean, Rampage was very newsworthy and very good. Yes. Um, do we want to talk? Nothing really happened on Dynamite, did it? I don't really remember. There was a a fucking great opener, and then the show just kind of kept going. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was weird because yeah, the opener was great. Dante Martin was tremendous. Oh, what a um, just perfect him, that was. like perfect booking for like a. I was about to say twenty something. I don't think he is twenty. I think he's twenty. <laughs> I think he's he's twenty years of age. Twenty he, nothing. Yeah, twenty nothing. Yeah, he goes in there, runs wild, great hot tag, mixes it up with the champ, and you know, loses clean as a sheet as you should, you know, when you're a child like that. Um, but perfect stuff. And then the Christian segment came out, and I thought that was really intriguing and well done. And 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 I've always got a soft spot for Christian. Yeah, and then and then the show just kind of it was all right. It was perfectly fine. It was. It's been a while since we've had one of those dynamites where they, most of the stuff it's just the mid carders going out and just having matches. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, ooh, baby, the Good Brothers. Love to see them defend <laughs> oh, the TNA belts on oh, my and my beloved Dynamite. I thought that match was okay. That match is good. Yeah. Listen, I love I love the Dark Order. That the main Dark Order team. I mean, they've always been great. Um, but uh, Doc Gallows. Ooh. <laughs> When he gets in the ring, it's just so funny. It's, it's just so it. funny. Uh, but like that was because the thing, the funny thing about about Dynamite was that I thought the crowd were hot for the opener, 
I, I, they weren't really into anything else, but I thought they kind of got back into I things. I thought they were. The I thought, I thought it was tag. a good crowd. I thought it was a good Did you crowd. think so? Yeah. I thought they were like contrasting Rampage to Dynamite. I was like, I can't believe this is the same city. Um, uh, but I suppose, I like, to be fair, that, most of it was also, like I said, mid-card stuff. So. Like Darby Allen, Daniel Garcia, the crowd were popping for that as well. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as I go through it here, you have kind of the... The Matt Hardy match, you know, Nyla Rose, Chris Statlander, which was, let me tell you, 10 times better than Nyla Rose, Britt Baker was. Yeah, it was kind of a fun little sprint. They, I think they only had a couple of minutes, but they went out and, as, a, as a result and just did, just fucking got their yeah. shit in. It was great. I really liked it. <laughs> um, and then you had, well, you had the, the, the best segment of the show, which was QT Marshall and the factory come out. Oh, they, yes. They started yeah. attacking Tony Schiavone's. Forty-year-old uh, kid. Yeah, what was up with that? <laughs> my son wants to get into wrestling. Well, he hang on, he's he's fifty-two. We have also my arrested your bigger, <laughs> fatter son. <laughs> Very Dennis Norden like. Uh, can my son take over. Well, he's fifty-two, Dennis. Jesus, it's, like, no. it's, a bit, it's a bit like I don't want to be be mean about these these men's old children, but like. Aaron Anderson's kid, who's like older than Aaron. Yeah, what a fascinating era we're in of large adult sons. It's really, uh, it's really funny. But that that segment was great, and it was, yeah. it's funny because it's just you don't really think because you think of your Moxleys of the world, and like ah, oh, he doesn't want to be fucking Dean Ambrose. He doesn't want to wear that stupid outfit. He wants to go back to being John Moxley. You don't really think about Big Show that way, but he came out and he was like all business, and he was like, I'm gonna, you know, I ain't gonna fucking, don't you fucking cross my fucking pals. I'll fucking knock you. Proper fucking, like, no bull. Yeah. He's no BS. He's no BS, Paul Weiss. He was great in, in his little, he was just, he was so intense, and it was like, yeah, look, he wants to, he doesn't want, he, it was basically laid out plain and simple on that fucking Austin podcast a few years ago. Austin's like, uh, so, what do you think about, uh, you know, you're, as we say, in the biz, uh, creative, which is, a, you know, a term we use. And, and Big Show's like, oh, shit for 20 years, basically. I like. No, he's definitely that, you know, the house on the street where your ball goes in, you don't go ring the doorbell. Yeah. So he came out all stern looking. These fucking kids standing on my lawn, shaking his fist. Great. Uh, and and I, think followed... I think that's a, a perfect a perfect match for him because Absolutely. it's like QT has a little bit of heat, which is good because he's good at his job. But at the end of the day, you're never pushing him. He's never going to be important, you know. So he's yeah. perfect, perfect guy to just, you know, and you don't have to put like Big Show in there with Kenny Omega or something. You know, you don't have to do <laughs> no. anything like that where you're kind of, for, I don't want to say wasting. That sounds harsher than I want to say, but tying someone up with Big Show who probably shouldn't be, you know. Yeah, and then you had Chris Jericho against Wardlow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm I'm re- I'm ready for an Al Jericho. I, I was ready for an Al Jericho break after Dynamite. I'm fucking definitely ready for it after Rampage. Um, we'll get to that, but yeah, we'll get to I that. Mean, but oof, he it's it's starting to catch up to him very badly. Like when Jericho was the champion uh, in 2019. I thought he was great in the role. I thought he really carried the company well. And I thought his matches were, were good. Uh, but now that he's crossed over the big 5-0 threshold, uh, it seems like while he, you know, he still wants to be the vibrant, you know, wrestler he's always been, 
old father times catching up to him, unfortunately, and his body, his body can't really do yeah. what his what his mind mm. wants to keep doing. Which is a shame because that's two weeks in a row. Whether or not you want to count the Nick Gage but uh, match, which two I do. I mean, I I, I I I would count that because you can kind of. I mean, you can excuse it because kind of like, well, Nick Gage is physically pretty pretty beat up as well, so whatever. And Hoovy is pretty old and beat up, and he also doesn't. I didn't realize this. Apparently, I I assumed he was wrestling weekly on like tiny little indies here. Hoovy apparently has wrestled like twice this year. Like he's not a full time wrestler anymore. I don't think. But like Wardlow, I mean, okay, like this guy's young in his prime. He's in great physical shape. He's a good wrestler. We've seen him have good matches. Like, there's not really any excuse for this one. This is just you know. And it it also wasn't a very complicated match. Like I just thought, I thought Jericho wasn't very convincing in his selling. He was just kind of laying there dead, trying to catch his breath. To be honest, every time he got power bombed. I like that they kind of tried to play it into. Oh, he's had like four matches in a row. They were all tough matches, and that's why he's a bit beat up. Da da da. But the match just wasn't very good at the end of the day. Um, and then. MJF announced that the stipulation for the, the fifth labor next week, Jericho can't use the Judas effect. I think that's a really clever stipulation, right? Because obviously Jericho's used that to win almost every match he's won mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. he came to AW. Uh, and also he must come out to no entrance music, which I think is a stupid stipulation and is really transparent in the sense that what they want is the crowd to sing it. And Jericho to come out with a big smile. And look, aren't the, the crowd are singing a song unprompted? Duh, duh, duh. And that's to me feels a little a little too manipulative, a little too WWE for my taste. Uh yeah, and I, t- I think it'll actually be worse on Wednesday because it's good wrestling fans do not have good timing. They wouldn't get <laughs> they wouldn't get Judas right if it wasn't for the song playing. Mm. So I think to make sure they are in rhythm with each other, they're gonna it's like Sammy is gonna be singing the song or something. These or they'll have it piped in like Goldberg chants. Yeah, they'll they they're gonna be yeah, they're gonna be doing it some funky way. Someone will be doing it to prompt them. I think it's gonna be really because like I get the idea of it, but yeah, it's, it's I saw like I thought that originally. You know, and then I saw they tweeted out last night the lyrics to the song. Mm. Oh god, this fucking song! I wish yeah. I wish nobody ever chanted it. We're at that stage now. Yeah, but I do I I do appreciate the no Judas effect at the very least because I think I think all of the labor matches he has won with it. I'm fairly sure. Yeah, um, yeah, and I mean the point the point of the the labors is not only for him to get his hands on MGF but to beat MGF because he's like zero and two. Yeah. So I get that, like, oh well, the the thing he wins his match with more often than that, and has done in the previous four labors, he yeah. can now not do. So I thought that was very clever. I wonder what the, I, I wonder what the finish is going to be because I kind of feel like MGF should win, because um, like Jericho has been like really beaten down by all of this and he can't use his finish, you know, like logically. But then I'm also just like booking wise, it's like I don't care if he's already lost twice. I just would not have Jericho beat MJF. I just MJF is too good and is obviously an, a future star on a silver platter. This isn't going to break him if he loses, but he's he's pretty well protected, booking-wise. Yeah. Um, he also doesn't wrestle that often. He does not wrestle singles matches very often. Um, I would not... I would not be... And plus, like I said, I, no, I'm not just saying this in my, in my you know, based on what I said earlier. I, 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 could, I could think it might be a good time for Jericho to to bounce off of TV for a while. They've got an influx of people coming in. 
Yeah. Um, there's no shortage of, of stars. I don't think there were, like, the pandemic, it was like Jericho, like, they were holding on to him for dear life. He was all over the show nonstop. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't want to be too um, uh, unfair or harsh, but, like, as far as what Jericho's purpose was when he came in initially to kind of raise the profile of AW and get it to a specific point, I feel like that's been served at this stage. And whether Jericho needs to be on wrestling every week, like he has been these last four weeks, maybe it's better if it's dialed back a little bit and made into more of a special attraction type deal. Mm, yeah. Anyway, then we moved on to the first ever Rampage. Rampage. Oh, one hour wrestling show. Perfect. Yeah, Beautiful, that. wasn't it? it? It brought me back to when I used to watch just NXT every week. And it was one hour long. You're in, you're done, you're out. Three matches, no fat. Boom. Yeah, so we opened with the uh, Impact title match. Um, Kenny Omega defending against Christian. And the crowd were were red hot for this one early, which was a a good sign. Um, Mm. And as you probably would have expected, they had a very, very, very good world title match. Um, which I probably did its job of like making me think I'll happily see them do that again on pay per view with like a longer form. Yeah. Maybe. Longer form. And even though we got to watch picture and picture in this part of the world, they kinda of, you know, they're not doing a full match in picture and picture. They're, you know Kenny's Kenny's working over Christian during the break, you know, that's yeah, that's that. Um yeah, I I, I, I would love to see see more of this. Um, I quite liked uh, you know, there wasn't too many shenanigans there was one little bit towards the end that played into the finish uh, which I thought was quite clever I don't know what Don Callis was wearing he had like a big pink scarf on um, and he jumped up on the, the the apron the young Bizzles came out with the chair that um, kill switch onto the chair by the way tremendous yeah what a visual! Lovely, really great. And I do, I, I do love that as far as interference spots go, it was pretty um, uh, to the point. It's like Kyla's got on the apron, the box got mm. in the chair. Christian used it; it was over. Well, it wasn't. Yeah. Kyla's distracts him, and the babyface kicks away the good brothers. But then the young bucks get in, and then the, 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 the referee is distracted for fucking twenty five minutes with all of this shit going on. Uh, it was they got it done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, and it, as well as as well as being really good and 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 you know bell to bell, I, I I do think it added a little bit of juice to the the pay per view match because it's kind of like the the point the story so far for Christian is uh, well you're not getting the fellow you wanted but the spreadsheet says this guy gets a title shot, um, so this adds a little bit of like no Christian's the first guy to pin this guy you know yeah you know, while he's got his number he not he not only beat him he foiled the interference you know he turned the tables. So that that uh, and I, I I think there will be some dramatic near falls in that pay per view match yeah. uh, that I, I'm looking forward to. Yep, great match. Um, less of a great match, but maybe none the less exciting was Miro against Fuego del Sol. I thought this was good. I haven't. I don't know this Fuego del Sol character. No, I, I don't watch Sammy Guevara's blog or anything or Dark or whatever. So I don't know who he is. But I, I found him. You know, it was quite. It's an obvious. It's clear story. You know, it's the little 
little underdog versus one, the big one win and thirty nine defeats. I think. Was <laughs> yeah, that was the number. Well, you know, um, yeah, but I thought it was good. I like you know, and I like the fact that it wasn't just a complete squash. Like Miro's there actually selling for the guy, which then makes the win even better. You know, what I mean, he's, he's actually on the ropes a little bit before his comeback. So, yeah, I thought it was a good, good kind of angle. And, and then little make... Tony Khan gets his face on. Yeah, <laughs> little rascal. Um, it was it, it, it was a rare, like, legitimately nice moment after the fact. It didn't feel very manufactured. It felt very cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I thought Fuego was great. I thought Miro was tremendous. He was so good for for what the match was in terms of its limited runtime. I thought he was so good. So so good. That guy's like, the that guy's the business. I like um, the 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 recent thing where it seems like he's just fighting cans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He beat this lad. He beat Lee Johnson. Big shoddy the other week. But then even after this match, he beats uh, Fuego, and he's down on his knees offering the belt up to God. <laughs> like, yeah. I've done it for you, God. I beat Fuego. <laughs> and he's uh, like he faced Brian Pillman was the other one. Brian uh, yeah. Junior. He's like unranked and never wins ever, even in a tag match. Yeah, uh, so yeah, that's interesting actually. Yeah, the payoff will be, you know, he'll he'll ultimately have to face someone who's a bit more of a threat. And how does that play into? They've just been beating geeks for the whole time. Very clever. Um, and Sammy Guevara yeah, came out and was like, "You're you're one in fifty, but who cares? Here's, <laughs> here's your contract." It was very very nice. Um, and then we had the main event. Perfectly good main event, mm-hmm. I thought. Red Velvet yeah. may be better than she gets credit for. I think I think so. Yeah, I think she's really solid. Because um, I like Brit a lot, but uh, I think Brit's maybe not as good as she gets credit for. Yeah. To be honest, well, even as someone think, who loved the Thunder Rosa match, you know, I think she's she's a very kind of more of an all rounder maybe than Red Red Velvet is. Yeah, sure, but not as strong when it comes to maybe the old tween the rope gimmick yeah and i think she's getting better because she's and she's also still relatively you know i don't say new she's been wrestling for a couple of years but you know i think she's there's been a steady improvement even just in her time in aew um but yeah it was solid and the crowd were into it because obviously they 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 bigged up big time that she's from pittsburgh so um britsburgh britsburgh if you will and yeah, I mean, we we talked about it last week, but it, it it didn't hurt the match really too much at all. That Red Velvet was kind of just plucked out of nowhere for the no uh, for the title match because yeah, it's what they said. It didn't matter. It was the, the idea was you will get a Brit main event. That that was the draw. Yeah. Um, I like the finish as well. She swapped the arms from the injured arm. It was clever. Really good. Yeah, clever stuff. Uh, less good was the the post match uh, schmaz when. Yeah. Chris Statlander, beloved Chris Statlander of Best Friends, come, comes in and, and knocks down Brit, who the crowd are firmly behind, and the crowd yeah. kind of don't know how to react to that. And then uh, a, mystery, a mystery woman comes in with her face obscured, and then she uh, takes off her hat to reveal people don't know who she is. <laughs> yeah, she had no, I was kind of wondering, I had that spoiled on me, and I... okay. Um, because I I, st- I was trying to stay offline, but I once I'd seen one once I'd seen the first two matches, I was like, well, I know Brits winning the main event, so I just, I opened my phone and that was the first thing I saw. So I was like, oh, Jamie Hader, that's interesting. I was like, I wonder will anyone remember or care? And the answer was no. <laughs> um, yeah, um, which is weird because I think it's even though no one knew, I think it's kind of good for that division, like um, 
optics wise that AEW actually has like a main event surprise debut. Oh my god, someone hit the ring and laid yeah. someone. Even if you don't know who it is, just so you don't have another like new woman who just shows up on dark for gotcha. three months, you know. Um, but yeah, obviously it was a she got over like a wet fart really. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it was the right, the right plan to have her with the hat on, like just have her run out. Yeah, because then the grand reveal is like what? Yeah, and I saw, of course, I saw a few com- people say they they thought she was Becky Lynch at first. Yeah, yeah. and the God. commentators because because they do the hat reveal, the commentators are stuttering. I think that's is that is that that's Jamie Hater. Whereas if she just run out, you can just go the same Hater, and then she runs out, and you get what's happening. You know, so you're, that was a bit a bit uh, like I'm sure Jamie Hater would be fine, but she's the way good. I mean. She's a, a good asset. I mean, I'm glad there was. She had a tryout. There was whispers she was going to go to NXT UK, and that the thing about that is that's not even like oh, I wish they wouldn't go to WWE. So if you're going to go to NXT UK, I will never see you again ever. <laughs> has anyone has anyone watched a Ben Carter match since the Scorpio Sky one on Dynamite a year ago at this stage? That was and that was like a, f- a Friday night Dynamite. It was uh, yeah, either Friday or Saturday, one of the basketball preemption yeah. shows or whatever um, it was. No, I don't watch NXT UK, and I never yeah, will. So that um, is effectively retirement at this stage. What um, did you guys make, though? And, and I know the answer for one of them, but what did you make of the commentary team? Oh, man, it was pretty bad. Jer- I... Jericho, too hyperactive, and Mark Henry, too underactive. <laughs> I... it's, yeah, one's shouting and screaming constantly for an hour, and then Mark Henry just come in now with something occasionally like oh that, that's gotta hurt yeah and, then, <laughs> and Taz and Taz and Excalibur are great it should just be them two they're, but they're great but then yeah I don't know why you think four people would be a good idea and and Mark Henry as well like he was really low energy and he wasn't speaking much but also yeah when he was speaking you kind of felt like okay he has no instincts well because it's literally just oh man that, that move oof Mm. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's. I thought he was actually okay as a backstage interviewer. I thought you know yeah, um, yeah, he cool. had a little bit of legitimacy, a little bit of actual, you know, you know, athlete turned uh, broadcaster about him. So absolutely keep him in, in, in that role. But some people just don't have it. And also he's been. I think he's done commentary before. He's you know he's been around the block. He's not he's not exactly new. At a certain point, you just have to look at Viva Golga. He, he's just at this stage, he's just not going to get it. He's not a commentator, but he absolutely has. Uh, I, I thought the interview segments he did were pretty good. So Jericho, just get him out of here. I, that that I, at the start of the pandemic, when they had him calling stuff, he was relatively restrained, and he does try and put the stories over. Um, he had some interesting little tidbits about Christian in the match, but to me, that's that's counteracted by the screaming and the cutting everyone off and the roaring and. I don't know if he's, he's doing it with this in mind, but it's constantly just like, hey, everyone, I'm Chris Jericho, by the way. Chris Jericho's on commentary. It's just... Yeah. I don't I don't believe that he's intentionally doing that. But what I'll say is I've I've always enjoyed Jericho's commentary for the reason you said. that I, I always feel like he's very good at getting the match over or giving you an angle on the match that maybe mm. you didn't get. Um, but he has a very abrasive voice. <laughs> yeah. Which is not pleasant to listen to. And that's, I think, his biggest thing. And the fact that, yeah, he does be, he does screech a lot. And if I think if he would rein that in and maybe not talk so fast, that that might help. Uh, I actually enjoyed Mark Henry for the exact 
opposite reason is that I find his voice very easy to listen to, even if what he's saying isn't particularly important. I think he's got a good uh, ESPN voice, let's call it. Yeah. Uh, that's why particularly I liked him in the interviewer role. I thought he was very good at that. Uh, and Taz and Excalibur were just Taz and Excalibur. They were, you know, they were great. Um, yeah, Jericho. Like I, I would, I would keep Jericho and Mark Henry, but definitely with kind of feedbacks for areas for areas of improvement that they could possibly apply. Um, yeah, there was one bit where Mark Henry was like, "I, I think I'm kind of pulling for Christian," and I'm like, "Perfect. That's what the commentator needs to do because the commentator is the avatar for the audience. So without telling us." that you're necessarily biased to one side or the other. The fact that he's like, I'm kind of cheering for Christian here. I'm like, that's that's great. That's the kind of stuff commentators should say. Uh, whereas Jericho, as has been said, was, was a little... He had the uh, little too much of the... Uh, I don't know, a can of Coke before he went out. Maybe. Sure, sure. Uh, he had too many monster energies before he went out. <laughs> no such thing as too many. <laughs> well... Um... What did we think? Because, of course, now... By the way, neither of you watched this live, did you? No, but I will watch this week's live. Yeah, I yeah. I was thinking oh, about it. By the and... way, before before we talk, the one ad they had, the commercial they ran for next week's... Yeah, that was going to be my next question, yeah. Okay, go on. I yeah, I'll, 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 that's, my, that's the big question, I think. But I, just on the subject of it being live, I was going to watch it. I got the old uh, second jab ski on, on uh, uh, Thursday... I have I've been pretty dang lucky. I've not had anything yeah. adverse, but Friday, oh, I was a sleepy boy. Yeah, I just about I, got I, through I, work. That after as well. I, I just about got through work. I napped after work, and then I went straight to bed, like at a reasonable hour. Um, so, so yeah, I was just curious if you watched it, but yeah, that was gonna be my my, my next thing. So they ran an ad, and I part of what I was excited to watch Rampage was like, well, I wanted to watch, you know, my man Christian bring uh, bring it home. It's, it's coming home, as they say. But I was like, I'm really curious. I'm like, are they going to run an ad and put a fucking graphic up and just say it? Say the thing. Say the thing. Say the line, Bert. <laughs> CM Punk's at Rampage. Yay! <laughs> um, but they didn't. But what was really funny <laughs> is that they were, they were like, it's going to be the television event of the year. But they didn't say why. It's so funny. This must make no sense to anyone who, I mean, everyone watching knows. But if, if you're like, if you are the mythical casual fan who walks into the room when their significant other is watching wrestling, you're like, what? what is happening at this? They're going to this building? Like, why? Compared to the other building in Chicago they go to all the time? Like, what? It was so funny. Um, but yes, I will be, even if it means I have to go to bed at my typical hour and set an alarm for half two in the a.m. It's 3 a.m. over here for our, our, our American compatriots. 3 a.m. It's 10 o'clock over there, which is not exactly early either. Uh, but that's just the weird Friday TV landscape. Yeah, I will be watching live, absolutely, next uh, next Rampage. Yeah, I must, I must say TNT or T, you know, Warner Media, whoever, TBS, it's TNT for the time being, I guess. They must just be rubbing their hands and like this has been such a well built show from a promotion point of view. Whatever the output ends up being, the fact that they have the mm. the commercial, we're going to Chicago, the television event of the year, interspersed with Darby Allen going best in the world, best in mm. the world, best in the world. Lisa needs braces, best in the world. Um, 
like surely I don't want to you know count the chickens before they hatch surely it's going to pop a huge number for Rampage you would think from a <laughs> CM Punk interest point of view yeah um, like we have you know certainly me and you Barry I don't know Joe what your plans are going to be but like when you when you get the people on the other side of the world staying up to watch a stream at three in the morning yeah mm. you know you got them on the the hook you know Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna go to bed and then try and wake up. Set the uh, alarm. Like 10, 10 to three. Sneak into the living room. Get the old fight TV up. Uh, load it up. Ooh, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah. Here we go. Reminds me when we used to stay up and watch Raw every week until four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what, I remember a, that. what a parallel universe that seems like. Now. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, we used to, for those who don't know, we used to uh, watch like a stream of Raw on like Justin TV or whatever mm. the fuck it was, mm. Ustream, <laughs> back in the day. And we'd be in our little chat room watching Raw with Popeye's commercials and whatnot. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, getting hungry at 2 a.m. because of all the, all the commercials. I remember very vividly, that was when I was living in France, when we, when we started doing the podcast. Yeah. We'd be doing that. That was great. They were the good old days. Yeah, it's going to be. It is going to be an event, and I suppose that we've at this day. I feel like if they didn't do it on Rampage, they won't do it at all. But I suppose there's one more show where they could say it. But mm. uh, I'm sure the rationale, especially when it comes to ticket sales, the rationale as well. They all sold. Everyone, people are going to watch. They know what the deal is. Yeah. It's not mm. uh, the only other thing I could I could potentially see them doing, and I don't think they will. But I just it, it flashed in my mind as an idea is. Like dynamite, dynamite, dynamite. Why am I talking like that? For I don't know, but dynamite goes off the air. CM Punk's music, and he just walks out onto the stage, and it cuts, and you're tuning into Rampage to see what happens. What happens? Like yeah. not not necessarily like um, they like there was a show recently where it like cut. What was it? Impact pay for you or something? Where it cut off. When like Jay White came out, and they're like, "Well, tune into Impact to see what actually happened." No, not like that. But like, CM Punk comes out, and then he can maybe open Rampage with a promo or something. You know, so people yeah. are tuning in to see what he has to say. Oh my god, he's going to be there. Or do it's you an, keep the admin surprise? I guess. I guess it's, that's probably the way they're going to go. It's an interesting conundrum because I kind of feel like part of why they haven't done anything yet is I think. And again, this is all—it's all very unofficial, kind of implied. But is the selling point of the people who go to that show? You will see the first CM Punk wrestling appearance in Probably. seven years. Do you know what I mean? Uh, now, it's I don't called think the first gonna, dance. It's called the first well. dance and all that. Like, I don't think anyone would ask for a refund. But the, the thing is, kind of like you're getting the thing. We're not giving the thing to Houston next week. We're giving it right. to to you. you oh, know? I forgot it's in Houston. You're right. Yeah, they're not going to do that. It's going yeah, to it's gonna be. It's going to be Chicago. I forgot. Sure. I thought it was like this week where they're in Pittsburgh. But you're right. But again, I mean, I, I'm with you because because I, I mean, he's definitely opening the show. They're not going to have. Because they're not going to deal with people chanting CM Punk for an hour <laughs> over all the other matches during during the uh, Jake Hager match no. during the Jake Hager Fuego del Sol uh, uh, match. Uh, so he's definitely opening, but it's going to be weird that they're not going. It's it'll be weird that they don't have it. They don't say it. But I, yeah, I think they I think they won't. But that will make for an an exciting yeah. uh, discussion on this broadcast. Yeah, I would honestly have Rampage be a fairly simple show where he opens, maybe someone comes out and confronts him. And then he does a run in at the end and saves the baby faces. I think that's the the safest way to do it and send everyone home happy. Um, but we'll see. 
we, we shall see. I pity the fuckers who have to have a, a normal wrestling match after that segment. And um, I, I love, I love um, WWE putting out their CM Punk ten years ago today ooh. videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're all bad memories. They're all bad that nobody <laughs> likes. That everyone feels bad. They're all about. reasons he quit the company <laughs> to go to the competition. Oh man. Uh, so, with all that said, we will be back this time next week and we will assuredly be talking about rampage oh. maybe it'll be such a hot occasion that because if he's not there that'll be newsworthy as well so maybe we'll kick off the show next week with our wrestling segment maybe. to, to uh, commend the, the the occasion also next also, week then is uh, SummerSlam. go on yeah and also rick flair was on triple mania and he nearly fell down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> uh well done to him uh, he he's like I've had I've had enough of this Kenny Omega fella doing an impression of a bad impression of a of a world champion. So I'm gonna I'm gonna slap him one. Yeah, I didn't uh, see any of the of his other involvements. I just saw him walking out, and he took that first step and gave a, a wobble. It looks alright in the ring. It looks alright in the ring. Okay. And I kind of wonder if the, the fact that he's getting involved in a match with two AEW guys does strongly suggest mm. that. He could. He, he's on his way in. Well, Charlotte was backstage as well, I believe. <gasps> yes. What yeah. if she comes out on Rampage? Now, oh, if she's the announcement, oh, how furious would everyone be? <laughs> oh my god! Of all the people, of all the her specifically, um, which I, that was another thing. I know we're going along here, but I, I, this is our final. This is our final pre CM Punk thing we can we can do. Like of the temptation, like I think CM Punk will one hundred percent be there. The temptation is going to be to play cult of personality, and then Peter Avalon comes out, and then no, the Punk lays him out, and then does the promo. But I think that's so cornball at this stage. No. I think just have the moment, just do yeah. the thing, just keep yeah. it simple. And to that end, what we were saying earlier, this is a thing that WWE, to their credit, actually gets right. Tell those commentators to shut the fuck up. Do not have them talking over the entrance. Do not have Jericho uh-huh. screaming and shouting. Don't do any of that. You turn those fucking mics off at the switch. I mean, it. it you know, I and I love Excalibur. Absolutely fucking love him. But I don't. I don't. That's that CM Punk. I know who it is. I know is who that, it is. The chick yeah. magnet. <laughs> the cookie monster. The summer um, of punk again. Oh God, they um, are going to say something like that. No, I did. To, yeah, I, I would do it exactly like. Um, that that one time Hogan came out in the red and yellow on SmackDown, and just there was no commentary. The crowd was cheering for like ten minutes or whatever. <laughs> okay, probably they can't do that, but I'd say they. I, it's probably going to be like a two segment show. I feel like yeah, he's going to have a he's going to do a full entrance. I, he's going to get that react that Hogan. He, reaction. He's going to do the going... Rock's return in twenty eleven. Yeah, it's it's going to be a big dramatic entrance. It's going to be pyro. It's going to be soaking up the crowd. He's going to have, I would say, six or seven <laughs> minutes to just give his mission statement and talk about why he's back. They, I, and then, yeah, presumably there's going to be an angle. Someone will come out. He'll call out Darby. Yeah. Darby will come out. They'll go nose to nose, you know, and <sighs> then there'll be a match, a wrestling match to send people home afterwards. Uh, do you know what? I'm getting excited just talking about it. I'm, yeah, I'm legitimately, <laughs> I'm legitimately super excited. It's actually Ooh. crazy. And I, I mean, I'm talking to you guys. I, I, more or less everyone I've spoken to is staying up to watch it live. Yeah. Um, I, I'm legitimately like, I haven't been like giddy like this in. Since the summer know, of 2011. Possibly, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and then so don't be surprised if next week, folks, we talk just about this and we don't get around to a SummerSlam preview. If we don't talk uh, about movies or yeah. <laughs> oh wait, no, SummerSlam will be over actually by the time we do the show. It's on Saturday this year. Who, cares? Oh, Who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> I, I, um, but yeah, yeah anyway. like you have you have CM Punk making his return after seven years away. Or you have Jinder Mahal against Drew McIntyre. Oh, that is the match, isn't it? Yeah, you, oh you decide. Anyway, uh, we it, will it's, be back. It's going to be so funny because SummerSlam is there's going to be so little buzz about it. Not because you know it's not going to be good, but like the CM Punk momentum is going to be all the talk of Twitter and da 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 and the yeah. World. So uh, yeah, it'll be it will be fascinating. And then there's also I think he, they're not going to fuck it up by not having him there, but there's always the chance that it could end up being shit somehow you don't know you know he gets choke slammed by a big true. show um, i do love the juxtaposition though of you know wwe have in the past had shows on specific dates to like fuck with other companies etc yeah. and now we have sam returning the day before SummerSlam. sorry but you know yeah. what, comes, what goes around that's that's pretty good uh, yeah, so there will be much to talk about next week. We will do that. We'll also have you know our usual segments, of course. If you want to pop us a mail, folks, chairshoppodcast.com. And also you can follow us at chairshoppod for info on when yeah. the shows go up and all that stuff. So with all that said, uh, have a pleasant week. You're most likely listening to this Monday morning, so have a good week this week, folks. Enjoy the wrestling. Enjoy your lives. Be safe, and we'll be talking to you next week. So it's bye from me, Barry. It's bye from Paul. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. <laughs>